Welcome to another edition of 43.6, the sports podcast that you've always wanted. I'm Dustin Perry, and I'm joined by James Key. Hello, James. Hello. And Maddie Key. Hello, Maddie. Yo, like quickly though, I just got like a text from my wife. Apparently, Kraft Yellow Peanut Butter, like the yellow label, not in stores, not on ads anymore. The extra creamy. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm having a bit of an issue right now. So, but we can uh, continue. So that begs the question: Are we all on Team Creamy or is someone Team Crunchy? If you're crunchy, you're a heathen. Just eat peanuts if you want the peanuts. I mean, we're all on Team Creamy, but if you put Crunchy in front of me, I would still eat it. Yeah, like if there was no other option, okay. But like, it's definitely the last on my list. Like, I'd rather the unsweetened, unsalted, all natural shit before crunchy. The unsweetened so with stuff. the sea salt, though, is as close as you can get to like normal without having sugar. Never done it with the sea salt. It's good, man. Well, something, something you're going to have to try. And something we want all of you to try is to go to your favorite podcast service and hit subscribe on 43.6 we would greatly appreciate it this of course as we mentioned is the sports podcast you always wanted and we're going to talk about a number of things today on the show some of those things being the nfl's week one schedule and leading into week two as well the montreal canadians there are new rules headed to major league baseball next season we have an update on all elite wrestling and of course we will close out the show with our top fives and if we have time some shout outs also our show today is brought to you by Now Your Treasures, but we'll talk about them a bit later. But first, before all of that, we'd like to catch up on our week since we haven't spoken to each other since we gathered around these microphones a week ago. Spoiler alert, that's a lie. But <laughs> I do want to hear about what has happened in your week. So, uh, James, why don't we... You know what, let's start with Maddie because James uh, and I had a similar weekend. Yeah. Oh, is there a late night date night in there? Something like that. Ooh, spicy. I like it. It did involve a steak uh, dinner. So there you go. Can you really call it like a good date if it's not a steak dinner? Like yeah. in the early days of dating. Yeah. If no, no, no. Like I'm saying like in the early days of dating in the first four dates, if there's not like a legit like sit down, like a nice steak meal in there. Yeah. You're doing it wrong. No, there's 400 different meals. You <laughs> There's like pastas. There's chicken. There's. You know, you know how many? I got a question for you. Watch Hell's Kitchen. Like, the steak is one of fifteen different things on that menu. Right, but Lamb. steak is just like steak is your your chance to be like, I'm a baller. You can. I don't know, man. Really I think off. I think you go you go high like highbrow cuisine like a lamb, like a rack of lamb, and now you're showing off. Lamb is trash. I, if lamb is cooked properly, lamb's amazing. Yeah. No, because it's all the same shit. It's let's cook the lamb, medium rare, throw some mint sauce on it. Here's your rack of lamb. It's <laughs> trash. What's, the, what's the difference between steak? Hey, hey here's a steak. Your steak is going to be medium potato. rare and no, has no, some no, no, chimichurri no, no. thrown on the top. No, fuck chimichurri. I go medium to medium well. And we're not going to get into... No, stop. Yo, I will... I will... I will fucking pluck every hair out of that beard of yours <laughs> <laughs> medium to medium well okay and this is like coming from a dude who is like obsessed with meat i love it right and then i always it, like so for example if i'm going to the keg it's the 22 ounce 
ribs, 22 ounce rib steak, medium to medium well. And I get no mushrooms, the garlic mash, and the fried onion. Right, which is like every steak ever made. Yeah, it's just fantastic. I'm I'm just pulling up the keg's menu now. And if you're not aware of the keg, I I assume it might be a Canadian uh, chain. I don't know if they have in the United States. I know we had like hundreds of people uh, download our podcast last week. So thank you for that. Um, and so there's a very good chance you may not necessarily even know what the keg is, but the keg is just a steakhouse in Canada. And I'm, I'm going to have to like give them my location, aren't I, for them to give me a priceless goddamn steak. I just want to know how much you are paying for this 20 ounce steak. Oh, it's like $75. That you're going to ruin by cooking it medium well. No, it's, it's not. You just, you just barbecue it. your cash instead. <laughs> you just leave <laughs> No, fuck you guys. All right, so my week, all right, <laughs> my week <laughs> was my week was good. I'm prepping for my trip, uh, as I mentioned before. I'll be off for two weeks in the lovely land of Korea. I'm gonna take lots of videos and pictures of the baseball game. I will be attending there because base like sports fans here are cool, right? Like to a degree. I saw a video just before we came on here about a Raiders fight at the Raiders game. And this guy like starts swinging at people and he turns around and decks a woman in the head. And this is why I hate sports fandom here, but it's also awesome. And like in those collective moments, big moments, you know, Canada, 2010, the Olympics, shit like that. Um, Jose Bautista's home run modern day, um, Kawhi Leonard's game winning shot. Although I was in Italy and woke up to like a hundred text messages of people like, did you see it? And I was like, what? And I had to watch it on replay. But just in Korea, baseball is an experience. Like everyone's into it. They have a special section on top where it's like the hype team that and that we're sitting like right next to and everyone's chanting the entire game. And it's just it's a blast. You get Korean chicken in a cup. So I'm hyped. So I'm going to send pictures and videos to Jim for when I come back. Maybe we throw them up to show the 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 excitement in the fandom. But yeah, just uh, getting ready for that. Um, that's pretty much been my focus for the week. Doing like that, that stupid travel shopping you do, you know, where it's like you start overthinking shit where you're like, I'm only going for two weeks and I made sure the place we're staying in the Airbnb has like a washer dryer so I can pack less. But I'm still not packing less. I'm like, oh, I need like 12 t-shirts and like seven pairs of pants and whatever. And my wife's like, no, you don't. She's like three pairs of pants and like six t-shirts and like eight pairs of underwear and she's like you can wash halfway through yeah but, she's right yeah but the thing about is. airbnbs you i always have that like not anxiety but like almost anxiety of should i bring shampoo and body wash and like oh i have to with this hair i like no yeah i'm not no bush league korean shampoo although their shampoo is probably infinitely better than ours but like Maybe. no man this hair needs special care my anxiety, but if you're going to like a hotel, like that stuff is there, right? But like yeah. Airbnb is always a crapshoot. Like maybe my anxiety it's there, maybe it's not. is that an Airbnb is not regulated. Like they probably have like cameras watching you poop and shit. Like oh. there's like I'm gonna scan for cameras, and if I find one, I'm totally whipping it out in front of the camera. Like a hundred percent. Like I'm just gonna drop it right in front of the camera lens and just stand there for like thirty seconds, and not even hard. Like full softy. Like soft serve, hundred percent. They better have uh, expensive lenses on those cameras. 
Oh no, they're gonna need super zoom. Get that forty-six time zoom. (laughs) Speaking of expensive, I looked up the steak. Uh, So you're talking about the twenty ounce ribeye steak? Uh, I don't know if it's the ribeye. It's just the cap on rib steak. Well, sure. Yeah. Sorry, it might not be ribeye. You're right. Uh, It it says rib steak. Yeah. So a twenty ounce steak. Yes. Yeah. So fifty-eight dollars. Okay. After tax, you're looking at sixty-five fifty. After presumably a twenty percent tip, you're looking at at least seventy-eight sixty-four. So this is an, almost an eighty dollar piece of business that you're going to tell them to cook medium well. Yep. For, for the record, a Big Mac meal is like eight ninety five or something. <laughs> you know, when I was in uh, Buffalo, or not, yeah, well, I was in Buffalo going to Pittsburgh last week, and I was thinking, oh, we'll stop at McDonald's. Like that'll be a cheap lunch to get. It was like fifteen dollars US. Yeah, it's not. It's not eight. cheap anymore. Like McDonald's no. is their prices have gone absolutely through the roof. And yeah, I fact, my bank statement. Like you look at the actual conversion. Like that was an over twenty dollar piece of business for McDonald's for lunch. It's so, it's so expensive now that when I look at the discount when they're like, when they're like, oh, this meal is on sale for eight ninety nine. I'm like, the fuck are you talking about on sale? Yeah. Like it used to be four ninety nine. Remember two ninety nine for four ninety nine? Yeah. No, it, well, it wasn't two can dine for four ninety nine. It was two can dine for nine ninety nine. Actually, you know what? Let me pull up. Because if it was McDonald's two good for four ninety nine, right they're eating for two dollars and fifty cents. That was McDonald's. No, that, in the 60s. I'm saying like this was back when we were like thirteen. No, that would have been the sixties based on the value of a dollar. Or I remember, remember the two Big Macs for two dollars, like that promotion where it was like a week. Yeah, I remember that. That, that wasn't that know, long ago. No, and that was maybe ten years like ago. Fifty percent reason of why I got so fat was <laughs> two or Big the, Macs for two bucks, or when the the dollar menu. Okay, do you remember yes. before Warp Tour or oh, yeah. the dungeon? Yeah, and Roy with the forty-six cheeseburgers, cheeseburgers, Holy and like shit. the two hundred breakfast, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yeah, that was honestly. I, One day, Dustin will I have do, to tell you the stories of of my apartment in Lindsay, Ontario. Okay. It was, was like 17, 18, 19, 20 year olds just being completely stupid. Just, like it was out of a movie. In Toronto, I believe the term for this is now waste mans. That's what we were. We were waste mans. We, yeah, we started the movement. I have a coupon right now for McDonald's for a one deal. Big Mac 739 plus that. Wait, wait. Two can dine? $14? Go $14. fuck yourself. 14, 18, two for two can dine. Or See, it doesn't that, even uh, rhyme. Big Mac meal, 1739. It doesn't even Excuse rhyme me, though. 739. Why couldn't they make it two can dine for 1429? Like, like add another 10 cents and make it rhyme. Like, I don't give a shit. It just, it's really annoying. You don't need it to rhyme. They don't like. No, that's the whole point. Two can, because you say it in the jingle on TV, two can yeah, dine for 1499. But that's my point. Like they don't have a jingle. How? They don't have. They don't have an ad. They should buy for any of this. They, no, they should. shouldn't because they should be on the radio. Because these deals change every like month. Two can that. Well, that doesn't matter. Ad Bro, spots they can, you can no, buy. They can do a voiceover in five seconds. Two can dine for thirteen twenty nine. Like why is it? What listen to this. Is, okay. They don't advertise these promos like that. This L- is not, I understand, but I'm saying they should. And listen to the difference. Two can dine for fourteen thirty nine, or two can dine for fourteen eighteen. 
You're missing the point. The point is they don't market this way anymore. The no. marketing goes right to your cell phone. They, they should, though. No, they shouldn't. Oh, Why? Absolutely. It sticks in your head. Why like, would I, doesn't. Would I rather advertise directly to my customers or put it on a radio station they're not going to listen to? You do Sir, both. it lives TV. in your head beyond your phone. Costanza. Have Logan experience. Costanza. Actually, that, that's... You're quoting advertising from a television show that aired 30 years ago. And no, I'm but still like, in my head, dude. That's the, what I'm the saying. Point, the point is, is it's not so much the radio aspect. It's it's the TV, and then you start, like, singing in your head, and then, like, or it just kind of catches, and then, yeah, you're on your phone, and, yeah, you get it right to your phone, but at the same time, it's, when like, When you're not on your you're, phone. Or, like, a YouTube ad. Yeah. Okay. It's I'm not... 12, I'm, 12 not discred- I'm not discrediting advertising. I understand advertising has a reason. But for a brand like McDonald's, you don't need to advert. A, you don't need to advertise. Period. But if you are, you don't need to advertise a promo that you're going to change in two weeks. Yeah, but like advertising your. But it needs to rhyme, is what they come back. It's they come back to the promo. If it, everyone knows the rule. If it rhymes, it's the truth. (laughs) (laughs) It's like if it's on the internet, it's true. Yeah, man. I read. I read on Wikipedia. Because you're only thinking the one instance, right? But this is a promo that they would be running a couple times a year. They just go back to the well on you it. Want, you want me to go get my Swiss Chalet coupons and see what they wrote? <laughs> he didn't no. say no. no. He just, he's <laughs> so yeah, so that was my week. Prepping for Korea as we digress from McDonald's and steak dinners. Uh, prep, prepping for Korea. Uh, shout out. This is not part of the shout outs, but shout out as I was packing i unpacking from the move i found my unicorns of the apocalypse t-shirt t-turtle i love that place and i was like i'm gonna wear it for the show but yeah that was my week boys you james did you do anything on saturday uh i hung out with my kid most of the day there you go you i was up in uh barry ontario for barry wrestling which was a lot of fun uh, Barry, Barry's always an interesting crowd where they're like a, it's a small town crowd, right? So you don't have that like spoiled Toronto crowd flavor to it, you know? But I feel like the where, internet's educated them enough, you know? Like I feel like they've, they're this middle ground between old school style fan and Mark. Like there's a few smarky people in the crowd, but there's also like people who just genuinely like, like pro wrestling for what it is, you know? And there's also plenty of, like, Toronto people that come up to Barry too, which is crazy. So mm-hmm. That's actually and not that bad of a like, drive. It's not. It's like an hour and a bit. Uh, depending on what part of the city you're coming from, it might be less than an hour, actually. Uh, and what I meant by, like, spoiled Toronto crowd, I mean, like, there's always so much entertainment in the city of Toronto that it's sometimes it's hard to get a reaction out of people because they've seen everything. Like, it's hard to... And there's some wrestling towns where guys will go out there and do a body slam and people are like a body slam and they're like just losing their mind right and whereas you'll do like i don't know a a shooting star ddt to somebody in toronto they're like yeah golf clap imagine imagine canadian destroyer dude we we, i remember we did uh the first northern tournament for smash we they they had that uh doomsday canadian destroyer from matt riddle remember that to was it to mia yim yep no, it was. Uh, oh, it was to Andrew I had to go take it. It was Andrew Everett, and I remember this. I had to go take Andrew Everett to the drugstore to get a muscle relaxer after because yeah, because he stiffed his neck, his neck real bad. But oh yeah, 
but I don't I don't remember like I remember people being like oh but I don't remember people being like insanely like they went crazy but not like as crazy as they should have not as crazy as they went for things like the what's in the box matches you know I wonder sometimes when and this this happens a lot in wrestling where a lot of times you're trying to sell the steak when you really just need to sell the sizzle yeah and and that's a perfect example of the what's in the box stuff where no one's getting killed here like you're it's a lot of just you know smoke and mirrors and goofy stuff and people are popping for it but like so a canadian so what we're explaining is uh, i think it was tyson dukes who had andrew everett up on his shoulders in electric chair so like going for like a doomsday device kind of thing and then matt riddle comes off the top rope and grabs into a Canadian destroyer and drops him in a Canadian destroyer. It's like off Tyson's shoulders. Yeah. And I think it was almost one of those things where it was so like, and this, this was years ago too. This would have been like 2016 or something. No. 2017 maybe. No. That wasn't normal. Like you didn't see that all the time. That would have been 2019 or 2020. No way. No, 2020, there was no wrestling. 2018. It'd be 2018. Okay, fine. 2017 or 2018, whatever the case. It was still four or five years ago. And that wasn't normal back then. Like, you, yeah, sure, you saw crazy spots every now and then. But that might be it, the first time that that thing was ever pulled off. Like, yeah, like, I, it, it wasn't the first time, but like, first time for sure that like it was done cleanly. And I bet all the people in that room had never seen it live before. And I think sometimes when you see stuff like that, you. Almost need a second to process it. Like, what did I just see? That was like, what the what just happened, right? So, yeah, I think sometimes that contributes to it as well. But, anyways, yeah. So, what we're saying is that like, there's a difference between a Toronto crowd and a, a small town crowd. And Barry, I still think is a small town crowd, so they they react to a lot more than a Toronto crowd would. But some of those matches were awesome, some not so much. But you know, that's that's wrestling. Way she goes. It was a good time. Sorry. So away she goes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So and then yeah, yeah so the next day. Yeah, so the next day, James and I went golfing. And you know, the whole time, maybe not the whole time, uh, leading into the golf day, I was thinking this is gonna be cool because I bet throughout the day James and I, James and I will be like poking at each other, like, oh, see the score of the Jets game? See the score of the Ravens game? You see like you see the score, <laughs> there was no hey, poking. check the score. <laughs> There didn't need we didn't to have be. to do that because the Ravens just handed the Jets their ass in a matter of like one quarter. So by the time we like teed off for the first hole, the game was already over. Listen, I will point out that we were correct. Sauce Gardner allowed nothing. All right. So that's they just didn't throw to that side of the field. Well, for a game that was for all intents and purposes, a blowout. The fact that he didn't allow nothing. Pretty good. Pretty, yeah. Well, they just didn't throw to him. Right. Like that was the. They know how good he is. He got respect, and that's what it is. You know who's not good? Well, we'll get we'll get into the NFL after. But we went golfing, <laughs> and uh, it was a lot of fun, man. Uh, we do this every year now with uh, Sean Gibson, who runs Barry Wrestling, and it's a um, a church youth group charity event. And yeah, uh, you know, we go with Brad Myers as uh, one of the quartet, and then Sean is the fourth. And it's, it's always good just to, like, I don't know, if it feels like we didn't leave last year every time. Like, it just feels like we pick up from that game. We, we get a little better each year. Um, this year we shot nine over collectively uh, in best ball, which isn't too bad. Uh, I didn't lose a ball all day. Just saying you thought I did, but I found it. Um, 
Yeah, so it was probably like we were probably on the seventh hole, and James is like, I haven't lost the ball all day, boys. I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> and I said, I'm like, dude, that's famous last words right there. And <laughs> honestly, hard his very no. next shot. I know exactly how the track went. Yeah, rattled right into the woods. Yep. Yeah. And cranked he found it, though. it though. He went into the woods looking for it. Like he was happy Gilmore, you know? Yeah. Cranked it though. It was like, so the hole was, I think it was a 315 or a 320 yard par four. I That's would have hit it. I would have hit it parallel to the front of the green. Uphill too. Like, oh man, I would have put that right in the pin if I hit it straight. I did yeah, say that. Okay. <laughs> it would have gone right in the hole if it was straight. Um, but I wonder, yeah, I wonder if I could have drove that green. I probably could. Have uh, if I green. did, you did. If I did, you would. But yeah, like, is it, what course is it? It's called Samoro Golf Links. Is that the one at like the four hundred eleven kind of cutoff yeah. area? Yeah. Okay, I I think I've played it a couple of times. Nice course. Yeah, it's not bad. It's it's like it's uh, not like it's not like an Angus Glen or like a um, what's the, what's that over? It's well uh, maintained, Coppenwood or whatever. No, it's but well like, maintained. It's a nice course. Yeah, like the I thought the sand traps weren't like beat up. Um, we had a we had a couple putts that that rimmed out that would have been nice shot. Like I know you had a couple Dustin that rimmed right out. I had a couple, um. You know, longer putts too that would have would have parred or, or couple holes, and we would have done a lot better. But no, it's just good. It's just good to get out and like, I don't know. You just like golf. I'm trying to get Brad and Dustin out our way, but these guys work regular hours, so I know, <laughs> it's eh? tough. Yeah, get adult jobs, man. Where you don't like you work till twelve. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, like there are plenty of days where I could just leave at twelve and no one would notice, but. You know, just that one day when you do, you're gonna get Famous a message last from like, words. your boss's boss to like, yeah, yeah exactly. I haven't lost like, a ball hey, can you all day. This report for me. <laughs> yeah, I haven't lost a ball all day. That's when you say, buddy, Not- my my internet's down. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, I got Rogers yeah. or Bell coming. But it would be cool if like we got out and get Brad out too, and the four of us can go. Brad's really improved. I'll give Brad that, man. Brad gets better every year. He says he only plays like once, but like he's he's found. Uh, I, I mean, if he ever wanted to like do it and play more, he'd be he'd be a pretty good golfer. I think he's not he's not too shabby. Yeah, he's got a really good drive. So yeah, it's that's key for our team because I'm just gonna put it in the, in the woods every single time. I Dustin's a hard left. Uh, he's a big slice. He shoots left, and uh, it is almost a like 90 degree angle <laughs> to the left. No, it's almost if you tried to do what I do, it would be impossible. Yeah, like I, that's I, how I might be able to fix it. <laughs> we'll see. No, like, but I see. Here's the weird thing with me, and it's, I, I picked this up from my dad. I golf right, I putt left, and like it's not super rare. Like I've heard it before beyond just my dad and myself. Actually, I think Brian Hayes is the same way. I think it's come up on overdrive once or twice where, and they all rip them for it. I'm like, why? And it just, it feels so much more comfortable to me. You know, it's tee off, right? Iron's right. Hybrid's right. Everything is right. And then you get into that green. I want that soft touch, the familiarity of that shaft in my uh, hockey stick in my hand. 
Do you remember? <laughs> okay, do, am I am I having Mandela effect with this? Do you remember? Did we not go into a golf town ten years ago, and they were selling putters that looked like hockey sticks? Yes, they did, and okay. they had each team. Yep, they had each team, but they were like thick, like a hockey stick, but they're almost like a wood porcelain feel, um, like on the blade and like the height of the putter was a lot higher, but it wasn't like a narrow um, shaft, like a regular putter. It was full thick, like a hockey stick. Yeah. I just remember that. And I didn't know if I was, I was pretending or no, I almost bought one because I remember I putted with it. And I was like, this actually feels kind of nice. I was thinking of putting hockey tape on it just to kind of, cause it doesn't have any ridges or grooves on it. So you don't get any of the top spin that you would on a regular putt. Um, so I was thinking of putting hockey tape just to kind of give it some groove, but apparently that's illegal. And I was like, well, then can I create my own, like drill little holes in and whatever? And no, but yeah, I remember those things. Those things were awesome. I wonder if we could find those. You can, it's there's web, there's web stores that sell them. I'm on a golf web store right now. Oh, really? It's selling all of them. Yeah. How much? Although it's, it's, well, it says out of stock. So maybe you'd have to look a little further than I did for the past 10 seconds. But <laughs> on this one particular website, it's like 115 bucks. Okay. I, I, I'm fascinated. I may try this thing out. If I can find one that's not more than a hundred bucks, I may try it. It honestly looks pretty whack though, to be honest. It, it was honestly the most gimmicky thing though. Like we walked in there, we tried it and we're just like, this is awesome, but it's such a gimmick. Oh man. You were getting oh, yeah, laughed off the course. Hey man, it worked for happy Gilmore. All right. The, I don't but care. He just had the blade. Like, yeah, the regular putting if shot, you, but it was just the blade. This is a you, full hockey stick. And you would get laughed off the course. Well, here's the thing. Like, you how often into your are bag? you near other people other than your friends, right? Listen, you reach into a bag and you you pull the hood off that bad boy, you're, you're getting high school levels of laughter right yeah, off. Yeah, but if you sink a 30-footer with that thing, it shuts oh, everyone up real dude, quick. Dude, you can do full-on what's-his-name. Yeah, I don't know who's that guy who when he scored the goal. Who did that actually? That's I don't a good know. Question. Right? Like who's I know, that? Who's I feel that? like I feel like a lot of players do that in in big games. But someone did it they're... that was recently in hockey. I think. I think Austin Matthews has done it before. No. Oh. Was it him and Patrick Kane did it back and forth? No, they did the ear. Oh, they did the, the ear. ear. Yeah. 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 Hogan ear. Well, I mean. I think if you say like the Hogan ear thing, people. Oh no! I knew it. I knew exactly what you meant when you yeah, said Hogan ear. I just thought it was funny I... to say Hogan ear. <laughs> the, ra- hold on, let me preface this: the racist Hogan ear. <laughs> anyway, brother, here's Wonderwall. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, no, it sounds like you guys had fun. That's pretty sick. I'm glad yeah, it's you guys good time. Got out. And you know what? You know what the worst part about the day was? The steak was cooked like medium well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna shove my steak down your throat. <laughs> That's funny. And there's there's also plenty of NFL teams that had a bad day on Sunday as well. Had and a medium well many, type day. Yeah, had a medium well type of day. <laughs> <laughs> and just as many of them had really good days. But uh, we just want to do a quick wrap of some of the top stories in the NFL that happened over this past week. I guess we start from Thursday, where the Bills look real good. Like, <laughs> real good. <laughs> and I, I just want to point out, what was the story of the game? But, like, it, like Josh Allen 
was one of the stories, but what was the one name you heard most throughout that Bills game? Josh Allen. It was Von Miller. <laughs> sure. Yeah. No, Von Miller? He, he definitely made a difference. Out of his mind. For sure. Man had two sacks in his first game with the Buffalo Bills against the defending, reigning, defending, undisputed NFL okay. Vince Lombardi champions. But like, let's they had not... the rock there too. Was he there? I didn't see the pregame. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like, like let, let's like scale back a bit. It is week one. Like, yes, the Bills look good, but at the same time, it's you know all these teams who did either really, really good or really, really shitty outside of the Cowboys. I mean, it's week one. Yeah, right. It is like, week one. They, but we could, they could, they could blow out the defending champions in the Rams in week one. And then they could go 0-4 for the next four weeks, and Bills fans are going to burn that city to the ground. Yeah, and I mean, the same thing. Like, the Rams could win every game till now and lose the first game of the playoffs. Like, it's it, the, uh, yeah. football is such a wacky sport sometimes, but in watching the Bills play... It feels like they th- picked up after that KC game. Like, they didn't miss a beat. They just... Right back into it. Do you... Uh, Here's my question to you guys, just as we're talking about the Thursday night or we'll move into the Sunday. What's the Bills' weakness? No run game. I would agree with that, but I don't think they need it. Uh, I mean, here's I mean, the thing. I think, I think it's fine enough. Like, Singletary and Moss can handle it, even though Moss had a couple fumbles in that game, I think. Uh, it may have been one fumble, whatever it was. But, like, they're good enough... I know you're. I know what you mean. Like you do need to rush at times, and if you come up to a team that has a great secondary, is going to shut down Stephon Diggs. Like you're going to need to rush, right? But Josh Allen is just so good at being a, a running back himself that like, he led the team in rushing that game. He's like what was it, fifty well, six yards, or whatever, on the ground. He had to to oh, have that ball on the ground. It's a fair point as well. <laughs> right, right. Like here's the thing: is if you don't have a run game, and then you're Josh Allen is going to be your leading rusher per game. You don't want your quarterback being your leading rusher because you're exposing him to potentially get hurt. Right. All it takes is one, you know, call up from the practice squad on a team, you know, later week 12, week, you know, 13, close to the playoffs who may be seeing the bills. And they're like, you know what? If he's going to rush the ball, going in slide, dive on him. Here's the thing. Put some weight on his shoulder. The, in the NFL, a good, receiving team can make a mediocre running back or back decent because it opens up the offense and the reverse is true a good running back can make some mediocre receivers look real good because you're opening up the offense and i think i agree with what dustin said i think singletary is good enough to be decent in this offense that the wide out options will make him look better than he is and i think in of in and of that I think the Bills are the most complete team I've probably seen in the NFL in a long time, even dating back to last year. And I think the addition of Von Miller just solidifies that defense to make them like, I don't think has, has there been a favorite for a Super Bowl like this since the Pats? I don't know. That's a good point. Like going into the season where you look at all the, you know, professional football analysts making their picks it's just bills across the board like everyone is taking the bills and i know this can go for a lot of teams though but 
they're one injury away from this crumbling down to oh, one of, of two like guys. It, it's yeah, Josh Allen or Stephon Diggs. It's that's it. I think they can survive without Diggs. They won't be the best team in the NFL if they don't have Diggs. But you, you but instantly think, need to rely more on the run game if you don't have Diggs. And if you don't have a run game and Diggs goes out, you you go from a top one two offense to what maybe tenth. Um, <laughs> I want to read this tweet because um, you you reminded me of this as you said it's week one and like let's not lose our head here over certain things. This is from Andy Holloway, and if you guys don't follow the Fantasy Footballers podcast, uh, you should. If you are into fantasy football, they're probably the best fantasy football podcast that I've ever heard. They're really good guys. Uh, Andy Holloway is the host, and he tweeted this this morning. I thought it was hilarious. React. Don't overreact. Adjust. Don't overadjust. Breathe. Count to 10. Go for a walk. Just 5.8% of the way through the season. It'll be all right. All this being said, the Cowboy season is over. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and if you haven't heard the news, uh, obviously the Cowboys had a had a rough game against the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday Night Football, losing that game 19-3. to It was an ugly one. But not only did they lose that game in an ugly fashion at home against the Buccaneers, uh, they also happened to lose Dak Prescott to an injury about I, in the third quarter of that game. Again. Again, and I feel like we meant we talked about this last week on the podcast of like, dude, we talked our, about it on the course. <laughs> we talked about Dak not making it past week one. We joke, we're like, it if he like, stays healthy, that was that's the question, right? We were always like, if Dak Prescott stays healthy, the Cowboys can be a good team. We and we were like questioning whether they're the best team in that division, or maybe the second best team in that division, but it all depends on Dak Prescott's health. And if you go back two seasons ago, when it was, it was like Carson week Palmer. Eight, no, was the backup is the ginger from Cincinnati. Are we talking about from last night? No, like a couple years ago when Dak had that ankle injury in like I, week ten. I think you're right. And, it was Carson Palmer. That's the injury I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't remember who came in to fill it. It was, it was Carson Palmer came in for the rest of the season. Uh, I mean, it could have been, but what I mean is like prior to that injury, and I think it was earlier than that. I think it was like week eight when he went out. When he got that ankle injury or Achilles injury or whatever it was, that lower lower body injury, he was the best quarterback in the league by far. That was, yeah. If you looked yeah. if you look yes, that was. Like if you looked at his completion percentage, if you looked at his total yardage, his uh touchdowns, his quarterback rating, he was above and beyond every quarterback as if he had played two extra games. It was obscene. He's a fantasy machine too. Like and, and yeah, absolutely he was. And then he got that injury and then missed the rest of the season and then came back and still was a little banged up. And I don't think he played the entire season after that either. But like, he hurt his, dude, he hurt his fucking thumb though. Like it's not like he's re injuring like it's his thumb. He's the Joffrey Loophole of the NFL. The dude's like Mr. Glass. Right, so Dak Prescott did have surgery on his right thumb this morning as of recording. So by the time you hear it, this would have happened yesterday, I guess. Um, and you know what? All things considered, not horrible considering they believe he's only going to miss six to eight weeks. But, I mean... That's that season, like, if you... If you go 0-9... Yeah, no, not even 0-9. If you go 500 you may not be making it 
Who? Yeah, and that division. Who's uh, who's starting for the Cowboys now? <laughs> That's the problem. Uh So I think during the fourth quarter of that game, the San Francisco 49ers got a number of phone calls. Do you think they go? They try. I don't know, man. Trey Lance did not look good, though. Well, that they okay. I, let's move up quickly. They're starting now. Cooper Rush, which yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, would you prefer Will Greer because they have him too? I mean, he's not even on the depth chart. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's my point. Uh, the um, like this. The, let's go to the Chicago San Fran game. So first of all. Listen, I rubbed it in Dustin's face. I was like, you told me Chicago was nothing and blah, blah, blah. And they looked half decent. But I am fully aware they played at Wild Water Kingdom. Like there was, that was not a regular game. That's a movie-esque type game. There's that video you showed me of of Justin Fields doing the swan, like dive through the, the water. It was so bad that it got to a point where I was like, when do you call this game and just say we'll play it tomorrow? Like, it's, why are they still playing this game? It's football. They're not going to call it for that. Yeah, remember the they remember that Pat's Bills game in the in the blizzard in the, in the snow. Yeah, like <laughs> they're not calling shit. Every play, you had guys coming out with shovels to shovel out where the ball was supposed to be. Yeah, but like that was unreal. And but hey, credit to like both teams had equal field of play, right? Like that's. Yeah. You're all That's playing not, on the same field, right? Yeah, and Chicago, you know, listen, I was a big on Darnell Mooney getting, but, like, I guess in the rain you're not throwing the ball. And Montgomery and, and Khalil Herbert, like, it's a good one-two punch. And I think I think Khalil Herbert's going to be underrated for all you fantasy people out there. If you're looking for a good maybe flex option, I honestly think Khalil Herbert uh, might be decent as a backup running back this year. But... Um, yeah, Herbert is the ultimate vulture of touchdowns. Like Montgomery's going to be doing all the work, but then once you get into the five, well, because like, Herbert's a beast, Herbert. right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, listen, the Bears are one to know. The I don't think this is, I don't think this is indicative of the Niners. I think that's that's a fucked up game that could go either way. Like if we're going to sit here and say, oh, the Bills are one injury away, we can't we can't be like, well, fucking Trey Lance is shit because he couldn't win in a monsoon. Um, oh, but at the same time, though, you can say that. They're not going to, even with Dak out and the Cowboys calling, there's no way after that that they're going to be trading Jimmy Gorgeous. I mean, it depends, right? What are you going to offer? How old is Garoppolo? You're not going to sit on that guy forever. You're going to want to get what you can in return, right? So This is exactly what they're waiting for. Yeah. It's yeah. for a situation to arise where someone badly needs a quarterback. What kind of premium do you think they have to pay on that, though, the Cowboys? Knowing how it's it's almost – and, like, I know we joke about oh, bringing huge. it back to the Leafs. But similar to, you know, the NHL, teams aren't lining up to help the Leafs. Teams aren't lining up to help the Cowboys. So, no. like, what kind of premium are the Cow- – like, the Cowboys trade tax, what are they going to pay to have to get them? Well, I don't – I to be honest, I don't think he – obviously, I don't think he ends up in Dallas. But um, – Hypothetically. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, they they – it would be wrong of the Dallas management not to make a phone call. Yes. You have to at least kick at the tire and see what it would cost you. And then, yeah, you evaluate from there whether you feel... And here's the thing. I don't think... That. I don't think Dallas has the current pieces that San Fran would want to make their team better, to make it work, that Dallas would be willing to give up. Like, I think you remove anything of 
value on that Dallas squad without Dak Prescott already. And you're already that like, I feel like you talk about the bills in one piece. The Cowboys are, are way more fragile than the bills. When it talks about removing pieces after losing Cooper and you know, Elliot not being, you know, what Ezekiel Elliott used to be like, what I guess you would ask for, I don't know, maybe a tight end. You would ask for a running back because they just lost Elijah Mitchell, right? Right. That Yeah, well, I guess, yeah. Yeah, he went out with that knee injury, and who knows how long he's out, right? I think they said two months. For So he's, like, same timetable. Most of the season. <laughs> they should do, like, a temporary trade. It's like, we'll give you Garoppolo for eight weeks if you give us, like, Ezekiel Elliott for eight weeks. Yeah. And then we'll see. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll trade him back. <laughs> just before the deadline, just be like, all right. Yeah. But, but, like, I think, I, I honestly, though, back to this, I think this sinks the Cowboys season. I don't think they make it. No, I don't. I mean, even if Dak comes back, what kind of Dak are you getting, right? Like, I don't, I don't, and time's running out. Like, they're, they're players, like, Ezekiel's not getting any younger. You know, Dak is clearly not getting any healthier. I just well, he's 29 with that kind of injury history. At realistically, physically, he's probably entering his 40s. You know, you know? I just I don't I don't see it working out very well. Like they're going to be that media. Like unfortunately, because of the Cowboys, they're going to be mediocre and get mid round picks for the foreseeable future, and it's going to hamper their rebuild. So we'll see. But how about those? Uh, you think the Packers realize they might need a receiver? I think the Packers well, realize they need more than just a receiver. Yeah, so before we get to that, I just want to say I think it's very possible you see Tony Pollard plus something at least offered for Garoppolo. I don't know if that gets it done, but I think maybe that's where they start because there's clearly a need on both sides. What about but, a pick? I mean, oh, yeah, yeah, so I don't know. Like, There'll be other things that will have to be thrown in there. Pollard's I think a good start. Both teams clearly have a need right now, whereas the Niners – pretty much badly unless they're okay with Jeff Wilson being their, their their guy and I know they use Debo a lot in that role as well so who knows they may not be overly interested in trying to replace Mitchell right now but I just think there's something there that you could possibly see but yeah great <laughs> yeah that's like man the Green Bay Packers and yeah they need a quarter but they need a wide receiver don't they and we had that conversation last week where we were talking about uh, Las Vegas and is Devontae Adams that good or was it Aaron Rodgers that did it? No, Adams at, is that good. Look at Adams' like, week, right? Did you, he, he, he footworked the shit out of, I can't remember who it was. The dude was back in high school in that <laughs> move. Like, like I had flashbacks of, you know, getting stuffed in a locker, I'm sure. Because Devontae Adams bullied, you know, it would have been it would have been a lot worse if not for him. It was a it was Devontae. it was a finable offense. It was that, like that. It was like that. That should in of itself should have been counted as taunting. Like it was just, it was so egregious. But how like again goes back to the Packers. Like if you're Aaron, like what are you doing? You know, like you're you. I, I know we talked about this last week, but you bitch and complain about not having involvement in the personnel. You stay, I'm assuming because you you got that involvement and you can't either make guys stay or get new guys. Like, what was your well, plan? I, I, think he, I think he definitely had the involvement that he wanted because, well, one, he stayed. And then two, 
all of a sudden Randall Cobb's on the team, right? It's like, in what world would they have brought back Randall Cobb unless Aaron Rodgers asked for him? Right, but, like, but then that makes him look like an idiot because Randall Cobb, yeah. is it's not 15 years ago. No, it's not. And Yeah, and Devontae Adams, arguably a top three, four receiver in the league. Yep. Right? And Devontae, Devontae Adams had 17 targets and 10 completions for 141 yards. Those 141 yards was almost 50% of the total yards that Derek Carr had. That's stupid. And against, like, I just... They're playing the Chargers. Like, it was yeah. not like they're a bad team they're playing. And the no, Raiders' offense is, is super underrated. Like, if you go left to right through the Raiders' offense, like, they're really fucking good. Yeah. But, like, I, I, I was just going to say, though, I think... Do you think guys just don't want to play with Rodgers? Like, do you think... Like I get he's he's great, two time MVP, gonna go into the hall walk right into I think the hall he's of nuts. Fame, one of the best quarterbacks ever. But do you think yeah, like do you think there's something in there where guys are just like, Bro, I'm sick of your shit. I don't wanna be here. I think it was funny to begin with. I think it got like a lot like the way he like COVID toe makes people like question he's all weird and coy. But I think the shtick ran out. Like I think it's just like just fucking play football, man. Like just shut up. Like, cause it's, it's not funny s- anymore. Like the Pat Mack stuff, like Pat Mack was like, Oh, Dr. Joe Rogan, like literally making fun of him because it's wild. <laughs> the shit that Aaron Rodgers and like, if he's trolling everyone, kudos to him, but I don't think he is. No, I think he's gone full hippie. Did you see the meme going around of Aaron Rodgers after that game? And they're, they're putting the CM Punk, uh, press conference clip and saying here's uh aaron Rodgers after the game and it's the clip where punk is like i'm old i'm tired i'm beat up and i work with fucking children like that's <laughs> i mean and they look they look so much alike too with like their slick back hair and their yeah. like, grayish beard i just yeah. i just think like like i said is i think at some point guys get drawn to the talent and you know let's not you know kid ourselves the greatness of quarterbacks but who's to say that they didn't try to re-sign Devontae Adams and right. Adams is like, I'm not dealing with this fucking guy anymore. Like, sure. He's great. And he gets me the ball and I put up insane numbers, but he was just, he'll say, I can do that with a guy like Derek Carr. I can do that with a guy like Justin Herbert. Dude, I can do that with, there's 29. We talked about this too. There's 29 teams in this league right now that have like every team has, seems like they have an elite quarterback. Like it's, yep. it's no joke. I think, I don't, I don't think well, the quarterback at least 20 for sure. I don't think the quarterback pool in the NFL has ever been as deep as it is like in this moment. There's like, think about even the rookies from 2021. How many went in the top 15? Like five quarterback, was it four or five? Between there was Lance, Lawrence, Wilson, Fields, Jones. Like that takes care of what? A, a core, almost a, what, a sixth of the league? And then that's yep. not including the teams that already have their legit quarterback. The Herberts, the Burrows, yeah, like 20, the Lamars. Yeah, like, yeah. like 20, 20 teams have elite quarterbacks. I just think, yeah, I, I just don't think guys want to play with him. That's what I mean. I honest. think Rodgers needs these guys more than these guys need Rodgers now. Yeah. I mean, there's so many other options for guys, especially when they hit free agency. Right. You know, they can they can pick their elite quarterback. They can say, you know what, this guy gets the ball out quicker. I want to play with that. This guy scrambles a lot more, which is better for my game. My game's more, you know, 
fly by the seat of the pants than it is full routes. Cause you know, there's guys like Brady where it's like, you run your route, he'll find you the ball. Right. And then there's guys that like Mahomes where you scramble and, you know, get off the route, he'll find you. Right. It's not a big deal. And he'll find you for five TDs in a game. <laughs> but yeah, I just, it's weird because there was all this talk about how he would have his choice and did he really want to stay in Green Bay and shit like that. And then he stays and now he's got nothing around him. Obviously, the defense is supposed to be really good, but I don't know, man. This is a weird week one. Like, this was like one of the oddest week ones. Like, that Bengals Steelers game was nuts. And yeah, it was. It, like, he, I watched that shit and. Burrow's still getting sacked seven times. Seven that times. That guy's not going to last the season. Yeah, here's your fantasy football tip of the week. Pick <laughs> up whatever defense is playing Carol or is playing Cincinnati, and you oh. will rack in the points, as James oh. did last night. At minimum, you're getting five sacks a game against the I had the Steelers D. Yeah, I had the Steelers D in fantasy, and boy, did I clean up with them. Just yeah. feasted. Just feasted. He ate like on. kings. Yeah. <laughs> Full on Thanksgiving, it was uh, it was unfair almost, but it's it's so sad to watch like and like Joe Burrow like like what a like the guy seems like a good dude like he just he's a fun he, guy like he doesn't take himself too seriously like he does but not overly he isn't has a prick fun with the whole like yeah clearly Joe works Burrow hard. from uh, Joe Burrow's from Athens County Ohio uh, yeah. seven four zero is the same county as Jock Sampson. And Jock Sampson makes me say it every time on commentary. So I'm going to say it as well. <laughs> there you so go. That's, but that's what I mean. Like, the guy is, like, isn't a piece of shit, and they just, they just don't give a fuck. They just leave they him don't. out there to get destroyed. I mean, and it's actually no different than the Jets, right? Well, the Jets, the Jets O-line is, is decimated by injury again. Uh, Dwayne Brown and, uh, and well, Mekhi Becton's out for the season, and, and uh, somebody else was out. I forget who, but they lied at three uh, offensive linemen out. And I just don't understand how these teams don't like it's your number one. Invest- the only guy who touches the ball every play. Well, I just don't see how you draft a guy like Zach Wilson. You draft a guy like Joe Burrows draft a guy like Trevor Lawrence. You go out and get these franchise quarterbacks, guys that you think will be there 10, 15 hopefully 20 years and say, not only are we investing in you because we see you being the face, the franchise to lead us down the road to get to the ultimate goal, but then not invest in protecting them. And what's you know, worse is the, the dude took you to a Super Bowl last year. Despite- and the whole reason you lost it was because in the second half, he got blitzed into the ground. And like, despite the Dustin fall asleep. See, okay. Despite, <laughs> Despite was, uh, getting texting, actually, despite getting sacked a gajillion times, like they still went to the Super Bowl and they were they didn't they didn't address it, and it's just so like if I'm those guys, I'm probably walking into the locker room just like scared shitless for my day, you know. Mm-hmm. Like if you're Joe Burrow right now, you're you're probably going into next week and thinking, guys, just. Four sacks, please. How, yeah, like, how can it get worse than seven? <laughs> like anything less than seven is great. They're like, just, just, just stop three of them. 
stop two of them just give me and i don't know if it's a question of maybe he's taking too much time to let go of the ball and seven times egregious i say four sacks he's taking too long seven that's a problem your your line is swiss cheese yeah like that's 407 on a saturday night at two in the morning yeah that's how open that lane to joe burrow is i don't know i just it's I don't know how that dude can take you to the Super Bowl and you can say, we'll do minor upgrades on the O-line to protect you. How you don't go out and get a stud, like left tackle, to protect that guy. I don't know. I just think it's stupid. Um, anything else from this week or should we move on to our picks for next week? I My only other thing is I still don't understand how the Jets started Joe Flacco. Uh, <laughs> they I didn't hear tra- the end of this, Matty. I'll tell you this. The amount of times I heard him complain about Joe Flacco. And I'm like, hey, man, Joe Flacco is a Super Bowl MVP, all right? Yeah, fucking so is, what, Steve Young? <laughs> He's probably one too. But it's they had Strebler, who played great preseason, Mike White, who's a Hall of Famer, and they still, they still started Joe Flacco. I don't... Well, they started Joe Flacco because he, again, has probably the best resume. And if you ever heard not of, just that, he's he's playing his old team as well. I think that was more important for this situation was that he was playing the Ravens. Th- this isn't the Ravens he played for. Of course not. So like this is this is the only time where I was like, hmm, Mike Babcock should coach the Jets and not start Flacco. Um, Liz, yeah, resume schmesume, man. Have you ever heard of being overqualified? Like it's, it's not I like overqualified. This isn't two thousand three. Yeah, I just it's listen. It's one. It's week one. Like move on. But again, I thought. And look, we were talking about it in the course. I think Devin Duvernay is probably the most underrated receiver in the NFL. You're, You're muted, muted, bud. I would tend to agree with that. Uh, thank you. Um, I was just looking it up, and I don't have it in front of me anymore. But on like Yahoo Fantasy Sports, I think Duvernay is available in like at least fifty percent of leagues right now. And yeah, that plays into your narrative of he's probably one of the most underrated players right now because he should be owned in a lot more teams, considering he's going to be the number one option for the Ravens, right? Like other than Mark Andrews. And even then, like Andrews didn't have a game. I don't think he had the share that, like, the line share of the targets. He oh, may have had. And Rashad you know. Bateman was an option in the offense. Yeah, like that's your options, right? Like it's it's Bateman and it's Duvernay and it's Andrews, and that's it. Yeah. So one of those guys is going to get all of the opportunities, and you know, smart money at the beginning of the year was probably on Mark Andrews, but it looks like it may be. Duvernay, that's for sure. Did you say smart money? So, well, the smart money was on Andrews, is what I'm saying. I was trying to give you a lead-in. To our oh, picks. right, because... <laughs> next year. Uh, James is trying to lead me to the point where we are, starting now, going to make a pick for the week two in the NFL. And we're going to continue to do that all throughout the season. What we're going to do is we're going to pick one matchup that we feel is a lock, a 
according to us. So, I mean, I'm not saying you should bet on anything, but if you wanted to bet on something and you believed in us, I mean, I can't stop you. Got tremendous information. Yes, we are we are experts clearly, and you should absolutely take our opinion on all of this. Call the number now. I'm gonna give you our lock of the week entirely free. Toilet it's just Russo. <laughs> and the way we're doing it, uh, once we pick, I call it almost suicide rules. Even though no one's gonna die in this. Um, once we pick a team, we cannot pick them again for the remainder of the season. So that means I have to not keep track of all this nonsense. But hey, I, it was my idea. So I guess, well, the, the, <laughs> this part of it was my idea. So I guess yeah, it was my idea to me. do something like this. It was yes. your idea to do it this way. So it's on uh, you. It was my <laughs> idea to add the extra complication. So. Yeah. <laughs> so who so, wants to go first? Oldest? Age before beauty? All right, oh. James. I guess you're the oldest, right? Okay. I feel, and, and this is points, right? Like we're not doing knockouts or anything. Yeah, no, it's just accumulation of points. Yeah, so if you get one wrong, it doesn't matter. Okay. I'm going to try and pick this team now, only because I don't want to have to end up with this team later down the road somehow. Um, actually, then again, there's only how many games? So we can take half the teams, right? Exactly. Uh, I am going to take... I already know what he's taking. The... I'm going to take the Steelers over the Patriots. Okay. <laughs> just That's like the medium well steak reaction. Just, uh. Oh, I'm trying to leave the really good teams. Like, I don't want to take them off the hop because then I might not be able to use them later. No, makes sense. No, it's a, it's a sound strategy. I, I can see it both ways where a lot of times in pools like this, you want to take exactly what James is doing, where you want to try to take some of these teams that you don't want to have to deal with near the end of the season. But at the same time, you also want to be there at the end of the season. But yeah. again, like we're not, but it's we're not elimination there. right now, yeah. so it, it doesn't, it's not going to affect you negatively that way. Yeah, and I think the Patriots, I don't think the Patriots are any sort of good. Like, I don't, yeah, no bueno. So, and I, the Steelers, hey, they're impressive against the Bengals, right? Like, that defense looks solid. Although TJ Watts hurt. TJ Watts out. But I still think that how there's long? something there. Did they say? I was reading it earlier, but I don't remember exactly how long. Was it a torn peck? Uh, that sounds about right. It was torn something or another. Torn peck is probably six, seven months. Second and third opinions on torn peck. He's going for. Oh. If, it's, if it's torn, it's torn. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, how long's Cody Rhodes out? Same shit, right? I was going to say, Rhodes. suck it up. Yeah, yeah, Cody, Cody Rhodes worked months, Seth Rollins probably. in a cage. This guy can play the rest of the year. And, <laughs> right. Yeah. Defensive anyway, player I, of the year. So. Am I next oldest? I don't know. Yeah, you're older than me. Okay. So, no, he's not. This is what I... Am I Dustin, not? Are, you, are you not older than me? 87? I'm 88. You're, you're oh, you are by one year. Bam. Okay. All right. Doesn't know how old his own brother is. Get fucked. <laughs> I didn't know how old Dustin was. I knew how old you were. All right. So uh, this one, I think, is the slam dunk. And I'm trying to get some of the slam dunks out of the way. I'm going to accumulate as much points as possible. And it's also a slam dunk. And it's a team that I don't really give a shit on betting on ever again. 
And that is the Cincinnati Bengals. Oh, that they was going to remind you, fuck. <laughs> they are in Dallas, taking on the Dallas Stars, who, as we Cowboys. discussed in length at, on this program, that Dak Prescott's not there. They're in a lot of trouble with their backup quarterback. And obviously, they're also missing a lot up front in their offensive line. Uh, Cowboys are going to be in trouble. And Bengals are poised to make a statement after getting embarrassed by the Steelers. So... Lock it in, Cincinnati Bengals over the Dallas Cowboys. I like it. That was going to be actually my pick because it was kind of the same logic. Just after who the Cowboys, how are they going to react to this? And I just feel like after that overtime loss, Cincinnati, it's not like they lost it. Essentially, their long snapper lost it for them with missing that field goal. So that was definitely going to be mine. Now I got to adjust, adapt shift and i'm I'm tempted do i go like like a big matchup game so this is tough but i think i'm going to take the bucks over the saints okay middle of the road the saints aren't terrible not a bad not a bad pick i was considering i was considering but i I think it's not like a super safe pick, but I think it's safer. Like I could have gone, you know, Colts, Jags and gone Colts. And that's probably a safer pick. But I think this kind of, I think the Bucks will take it. All right. And that is our NFL picks for week two. I have the Bengals over the Cowboys. James has the Steelers over the Pats. And Maddie has the Bucks over the Saints. And before we move on to our next topic, I want to tell you that this episode is brought to you by Now Your Treasures. Now Your Treasures are purveyors of licensed fine art prints for movies, comics, TV, and video games. Sourced from galleries in the US and UK, which includes artists from all over the world. Visit Now Your Treasures on Instagram, at Now Your Treasures on Instagram, and send them a DM, 43.6, to receive 43% off any order. That's a DM now your treasures on instagram 43.6 to receive 43 percent off any order all orders are shipped with tracking and complimentary insurance view the entire expanded expanding uh, sorry <laughs> view the entire ever expanding inventory at nowyourtreasures.ca or.com n-o-w-y-o-u-r-t-r-e-a-s-u-r-e-s.ca or.com dm now your treasures on instagram 43.6 to receive 43 percent off any order Big now dude. thank you even though i botched the end of it yeah, alliteration is tough man you recovered nice though yeah it was a good recovery uh the montreal canadians made a number of headlines we'll say this week a couple of headlines and there's one i particularly want to talk about i i suppose we should start with carrie price where it sounds as though he is he's done well, done, that- done so much as, as they need to not have him retire. Yeah. This is that, like, oh, well, we'll reevaluate, you know, midseason at the end of the year. They've pretty much already written him off for this year. Um, but it's the same thing that they did with Shea Weber. It's the same thing they're doing, like the Leafs did for years with Lupo and Robita, where it's just like, just go into the abyss, act like you're still trying to get back. Man's you know, gonna get made cake. Like if you think about yeah. it, ten million like, a year to sit on his ranch in in Alberta. 
you know, whatever. Take it. But it's unfortunate that we we never really got to see outside of the Olympics how great Carey Price could have been. I mean, he yeah. was stuck on some pretty kife Montreal Canadiens teams. Oh. Like, and he made them competitive. How right? pissed off do you think he is? With the ineptitude of not surrounding him with more. And some of like the bullshit decisions they made with trading some... Like, we talked about this a few weeks ago. Just how many first-round picks still play for that team from before two None. years ago? None. Yeah. Right? That it's just like, if you're Carey Price, you're, you're upset, you're sad, you're pissed because this team for the longest time didn't do enough to support you. It's, it's funny. It could be very similar to like Joe Burrow and his O-line. Like he, he got peppered and had to carry so much throughout the, his career. I mean, no, no more was it evident than when he played in international teams when he had like the, the stellar quality, like he played at the same level as those teams, yet they couldn't surround him with NHL quality, like for his caliber uh, in Montreal. And it's kind of, it's disappointing because, you know, he's, he was just, he could have been one of the greatest. And I mean, do you like, people will say he's, he's probably the greatest of a generation, but I mean, even if you go look back on some of the guys that played in his generation, is he better than Henrik Henrik Lundqvist? Like there's arguments I mean, to be made and it sucks because I think he could have he could have exceeded those arguments. I think he could have put himself at a different level. I think people talk about him like he is, but when you when it's down to quote unquote brass tacks, I don't I think there's arguments for other goaltenders in that era. But like you well, said, the had they surrounded is, him? The results aren't there, right? Because they he didn't have the shit around him. So it's it's always gonna be the what could have been with Carey Price. Right. You know? Um, and it, it, like you said, it, it's sad. Like, obviously, I'm not going to hide it. I'm no Habs fan, but I respect talent. And I respect, you know, good players and guys that want to win. Like, what says to me is, I feel like he knew that playoff series starting with Toronto in the year they went to the cup final. I feel like he knew it was close to the end. And he did everything in his power to will that team to that cup final and win it and just ran into a monster of Tampa. Um, and you got to feel for the guy. Cause you got to think at the end of that, he was like, he literally laid it all out there and probably in his mind was like, I don't know how much I have left in the tank. I got to sacrifice everything for this. And they didn't get it done. And it sucks. I also just remember <clears throat> when he first came in and you know the controversy surrounding like they started him and then they pulled him for uh who was it was it halak or Yaroslav halak yeah and for halak and they were ready what year two to run him out of town and he stuck it out and then all the shit he went through taking the year off to work on his mental health with which i think is you know something that players need to do but not enough do especially guys of that ilk and of that status to be your franchise player to say, I, I got to do this because sports culture we know is suck it up. 
suck it up, suck it up. It's for the team. Don't be selfish and guys don't want to do it, but it's just, yeah, it's shitty. Like there's no real other way I can put it. I mean, I, I see your point in that it's too bad because he's a, he seems like a good guy. And also because he's Canadian and he, so he would have been the starting goaltender for so many team Canada teams that I think that's part of the reason why we like him as well. Uh, like we should hate this guy for being the starting goaltender for the Montreal Canadiens, right? Well, and stole that playoff series against Toronto, right? I mean, you can blame Carey Price, but there's a lot of people to blame in that series, yeah. to be honest. But I don't really feel bad for him because I was just looking at it. He's made like $105 million in his career. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, <laughs> the, the money's nice and stuff, but a lot... I. Ask any guy who never won a cup who's a top line player, and I guarantee you they would trade half of what they earned to win one. I yeah, okay, knowing so. the type of competitor he is, it's just it's so it's like the same. The the I think the most difficult thing for any pro sport guy, especially these guys who up. are who are elite, no, is the what could have been. You know, what if? Like that's gonna be tough to and you know, like for a lot of sports guys. That's really tough to deal with after sports, you know? Well, just like I've always said this and, you know, talking with friends and stuff about athletes and things. And they're just like, well, you know, why do so like things happen to certain guys after their careers in any sport, a guy that came from any sport. And I was like, just think of it like this. These guys are the 1% of the 1% from since they could walk until they're 40. All they've known is competition at the highest level and sport and the obsession. And I say this all the time, professional athletes aren't wired properly to be that obsessive and that successful at the top of the game that when it's all done, how do they just shut it off? Which then says to me, like Brady, when people are like, just retire, you did this, you did this, you did this, man, how, how do you just tell that guy to just turn it off? You're the greatest of all time. Most and also, like, you know what yeah, I mean? And, and you're right. Like, this is their life. Like, they don't really know how to have another yeah. life. Like, they, that, this is what they do. This is what they've always done. Like, from the time they were kids, they get up early in the morning, go to the go to the arena, and they play hockey. And like, they and they have their, you know, their their nap in the afternoon. And like, this is just like this is their life. Like, this is how they operate, right? And that's been the case for the past 35 years for this guy, or maybe a little less, than, or a little less than 30, 30 years, we'll say. Mm -hmm. That's been his entire life, right? So, it yeah, it's absolutely it's got to be a huge adjustment for star players like this to have to be told when to stop, right? And like you're not you're being forced out. You're not going out on your terms, right? And the one thing I got to say about this too, before we kind of move on to more stuff you wanted to get into about this, I hate the people blaming Chris Kreider for this shit. Like. If he crashed into Carey Price and nothing, he never gets hurt and that series continues on and plays or whatever, no one says a thing. But the people saying, oh, Chris Kreider ended Carey Price's career because that's the origin and when all this started, like, fuck off, man. It's, he was hauled down. Sure, he maybe could have twisted, but do people not understand how fast Chris Kreider can go and how, how fast, fast the, the game fast moves? The game. Yeah. yeah. So he, anyone who's saying he did that intentionally, Go fuck yourself. 
that's just my little two cents about that. Cause just cause I see a lot of articles cause obviously people are writing the what ifs of Carrie price and you know, the history and a lot of the big moments. And a lot of people are like, that's the Genesis of all this problem. And I'm like, like not the articles aren't vilifying Chris Carter for it. A couple of them have, but you know, a lot of the reaction to some of the articles has been, well, if it wasn't for him and if th that didn't happen, he's ending his career. And, uh, Makes me angry. Well, it wasn't just mm -hmm. Carey Price in the news for the Montreal Canadiens. It was also Nick Suzuki, who was named their captain uh, today, actually. The newest captain of the uh, Montreal Canadiens. And for me, it's like, whatever. I don't give a shit what the Montreal Canadiens do, to be honest. But I, what I thought was interesting was the presentation with all of the graphics that they put up on Twitter. And they had a whole press conference. And Suzuki put the, the new sweater on. And then as soon as they put that new sweater on, I was like, huh, interesting. And you see that bright blue RBC logo on the Habs sweater. And it's just, here we go. The floodgates are opening. Now, we've seen uh, uh, the Pittsburgh uh, Penguins unveiled theirs. I think the Washington Capitals had theirs. Arizona. Uh, Arizona had theirs as well. So there's been a handful of teams that have done it. But like, I think it just hits differently with Montreal because... You know, one of the oldest franchises in the history of North American sports. Uh, that sweater has been remained unchanged for so long. And it's just another, you know, step in the direction that Gary Bettman wants to take this league. But I don't know. How do you guys feel about the logos on the hockey sweater? So we see it in other sports. Like, the NBA has it. Like, you'll see. And it's, it's usually, like, stupid-looking <laughs> advertisements too Rakuten right? like, yeah like Rakuten and like did the Lakers have Bumble on there one year yeah, like, but good god guys. Leafs have TikTok and on the helmets TikTok on the Leafs helmets prior to that it was Scotiabank which was in collaboration with the naming rights of the building so I think if the Maple Leafs are having a logo on their sweater this year my money would be on Scotiabank mm -hmm, probably but we'll have to wait and see on that but, but it's not unusual right like we see it like Baseball just did it with Nike. Now that's like a jersey sponsor that is the manufacturer Dude, of all the jerseys, so it's so a little different. Soccer, the team logo is in the is in the small logo, and the the sponsor is the big logo. Yeah, Fly very Emirates. strange, right? Yeah, BMO, right? You go to BMO Field to watch a TFC game. It just says BMO right across. Yeah, the chest. and if it's TFC and versus right in the corner, if it's TFC versus Montreal, they're both you, BMO. Kind of see the <laughs> yeah. TFC logo there. I mean, but Jimmy's more of a Jersey guy than I am. Like I'm when I, I love sports jerseys, I think, and this might be bias or whatever, but I think out of all of the four major sports, hockey's jerseys are one of those ones that are the most visually appealing because all they have, they all have crests of some kind on the Jersey, big front and center, you know, where baseball, it's a lot of team names with like a small little thing football it's color scheme with maybe something on the helmet maybe on the shoulder there's like a little patch and you know basketball it's transitioned similar to baseball where it's like a small logo with writing on it right it's not um, even the small logo anymore in the nba the like, you get a logo on your shorts yeah like every your jersey itself just as your team yeah. name or your city name but i just feel like hockey's sweaters are so iconic just because it's clean you have your logo maybe the manufacturer on the back of the neck which again because a lot of guys have such long hair you maybe never see it but you know it's it's weird and like you said i think it being an original six team also 
and the first one I think we've seen with an advertising on the jersey. It's just, it's a weird vibe. I don't know. Because it's one of those things where we all said, yeah, I'll be on the helmets. Maybe something on the hem of the pants or whatever. We'll never see it on a jersey. And I don't know. Like I said, Jim's more of a jersey guy than me. So I'm curious to know what he thinks. I thought I would hate it more than I do. Like, I don't, I just don't care. Like, it's, you know what it is? Like, it's, it, you know, and you know, when I looked at it, I'm like, it just doesn't look out of place. Maybe, maybe it's because we watch so many sports and you see it now in so many different Spangler places. <laughs> like NASCAR. <laughs> it's like, it doesn't yeah. look like a, you know, like it doesn't look like a NASCAR. Um, it's, to me, it looked as much as corporate sponsorship can look, it looked classy. Do you know what I mean? Like as much as it could. Um, so I don't, I don't hate it. It doesn't bother me and it doesn't look out of place. Like if I, like, I'll forget about it in three weeks, right? Like it, it, I won't even, and then by the time I want a new sweater, if I don't get the patch, I'll be like, that's not the same one. And then I'll want it with it on it. So like, you know what I mean? Well, at least for the NBA, when you buy a replica jersey, you don't have the advertisement on it. And but if you buy an authentic jersey, you have the uh, for the Raptors, it's Sun Life Financial, I think. It's so just right like up a, here, right? Yeah, it's just the same same That's placement same like right above your <laughs> pectoral. Same placement as the NHL. I mean, yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, just right above the pectoral, there's that small advertisement, and for the Raptors, it's Sun Life Financial, and it. It, so you only get it as like a fan if you bought the authentic one, which are rare to come by anyways, for whatever reason, it's difficult to get your hands on those. That's what I mean. Like to me, it becomes more reflective of the actual product at that point. And I would, I would probably want it right. Like it's a weird thing that they do to you, um, that way. But like, even as I've become more interested in soccer and stuff, like, am I sitting there going, Oh, fucking Liverpool has their logo in the top. Like it's instead it says fucking whatever their sponsor is now. Like, I don't care. You know, it's at the end of the day, I'm cheering for the team. I'm not cheering for the fucking sweater, you know? And if I was cheering for the fucking sweater, there've been some atrocious fucking sweaters that didn't have corporate logos on them. That, that these like teams Islanders have, jerseys are the, 90s 2000s Dude, the, can, the canadians show. jersey that look the zebra that looks like red white and blue or yeah, or the bad. leafs reverse retro jersey with the gray the gray what that's atrocious I, okay whoever came up with that bullshit like you i know they're just like well we don't have a lot in the color scheme because it's blue and white but like come on man you could have done something infinitely better you're telling me that you couldn't have come up with the black Bieber jersey as just your third jersey because I'm not gonna lie I love the black Bieber one like the reversible that thing's oh, the fucking black Bieber awesome. one is pretty all right I'm not gonna lie. I don't know if you guys can see that three did um, you buy a TFC jersey no it's Liverpool oh see fucked if I know and look Liverpool's logos up there yeah like, you have no idea like even the colors don't make sense like I, when I think Liverpool I think red right but this, yeah. is, their new, me, like, this is the new third like jersey blue and orange jersey like, I don't know what this is. yeah this is the new third jersey for this year but like yeah, sure it's standard chartered i don't even know who the fuck but i don't care they have the english premier league logo on the shoulder they have nike on the then and then they got the liverpool crest at the top the nike makes sense though because they made the jersey same with like adidas yeah. and the nhl like that's fine 
I think like it's just weird because out of, I feel like there's way more tradition in hockey with their jerseys than a lot of other sports. You know, like the other sports, when guys get drafted, they put on the hat. When hockey guys get drafted, they put on the sweater. Baseball, you don't even fucking see it. Like it's in mid game. Like, oh, we break to tell you that the Jays in the 39th round have drafted whatever. I get but that. But you know what I mean? There's like, like, there's the moment. And I, I get where you're coming from, but you know where the sponsors are getting massive boners is like playoff game, overtime. Austin Matthews scores, raises his hands, and sponsors right there. Yeah. That's the shot they want. Right. And you know what? To be fair, with MLS overtaking the NHL as the fourth most popular sport in the US, they have they have to. It's like it's not it's not it's a question of whether you want the game to survive. The game yeah, will not survive absolutely. as it they stands need the just, money, especially yeah. the COVID years. Right? They need it. And it's and you we just weren't alive for the iterations of of sweater like they used to be sweaters they used to be real sweaters and now they're like not cotton sweater. sweater like wool knit sweaters <laughs> right they used to <laughs> dude, they used to, instead of a puck they played with frozen dog shit or cow shit as pucks they don't they used do to play that with a rock right like it's goalies didn't wear masks <laughs> like fuck man so i think it's i under, listen i'm with you i understand like there's the tradition and the the purity of not having it all 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 things like that eventually especially in sports as it becomes a business even further away from anything into a business as if it's not already there um i just think you can't be surprised by it and it's uh you know you know what I, I, do junior teams have i think junior teams have sponsors do they not uh i'm not sure i think they've had them for a few years Maybe I know the AHL has done it because the AHL does as the test run for all the leagues. Right. But maybe that's I'm, what I'm confusing it with. I'm okay with it as long as it doesn't turn into Spangler Cup type looking jerseys. Like if it's a small thing on the bottom hem, one little small thing on the shoulder, I'm cool. But if you start decking it out, like both shoulders have a sponsor, and then like the back of the you know jersey at the bottom is hemmed with another spot, like that's when I'll start getting annoyed. But if this is what brings even slightly more revenue to the league, which not only lets them survive, but even thrive a little bit, I'm cool with it. Like, whatever. I'm just looking up some uh, Ontario Hockey League jerseys, and it looks like on the right pectoral is CCM, and the left pectoral is the name of the league that they play for, in this case, OHL. So, oh, okay, maybe that's why I'm confused. The placement it has patches there, so maybe that's what you're thinking. But I could also be looking at older images, so I don't know. So I don't think so, but I wouldn't doubt it. But oh, yeah. speaking of uh, breaking tradition, uh, Major League Baseball has announced a couple of new rules that will be going into play next season, I believe. Um, the first one is going to be around the pitch clock. Now, I'm, not even, looking at the ar- I'm not even looking at the article anymore, but I, I believe I could pull it up. But I'm pretty sure it's 15 seconds if there's no one on base and 20 seconds if there is someone on base. Yep. And they cited that it like they were using this in minor league baseball and it had saved like the average time of a game down 30 minutes or something. So And did you see the other stat that they pulled? 360 pitchers were north of 23 seconds. Even That's without crazy. even without runners on base. Yeah. And I'm just yeah, like, so, why? So do Fuck the off. math on that, right? Like if yeah. you trim off five seconds of every pitch and a pitcher throws a hundred pitches, 
500 seconds like you're who's saving. That, who's that motherfucker that does the shimmy and the extra step? And we were, we were, I think we were talking about this one day. What, Marcus Stroman? Like, <laughs> no, fuck Stroman. But oh, he does like, do that though. Right? I know. But there's, I think, is he Milwaukee or I don't know. He's got long, he's got like the dreads. Johnny Cueto used to do it. But like, who, there's the other guy the Jays just played him like a month and a half ago and I'm like great we're gonna be here for four fucking hours because this guy takes all 55 seconds to make a pitch but yeah, like, if that, it's the, is that the guy that literally looks like he's doing a four step process to yeah uh. but yeah like it's I'm I'm pitch clock I'm all for because honestly baseball is getting ridiculous yeah with I'm with l- you l- length of the game anything to make this game go faster i am all for uh the other so the other minor one is actually i just the other minor one the only minor one is the larger bases which i assume is more for player safety where you're gonna have less collisions at bases because guys have more real estate to step on a bag or slide into a bag so four and a half inches yeah the extra inches that they're adding to the bags i think that makes perfect sense and keeping guys safe Keep well, your star players on the field. It also increases stealing opportunities. I think they said in the minor leagues when they introduced this, twenty six percent more steal ops. So, I mean, that's also again, like you said, safety. But I'm sure they were thinking excitement. Sure. You know, stealing bases. You know, guys second to third, and you know that. There, baseball. It's kind of almost. It's common, but not really. But is there? top five exciting moments in baseball when a catcher can gun a guy when he's trying to steal second makes that perfect throw down and gets him. like i just think it's so cool so to potentially see that more although it seems like guys will be safe more but whatever 26 percent more then the major one is essentially a ban of the shift where going forward you're going to need to have two guys on the left side of second base and two guys on the right side of second base and all four of them need to be in the infield before the ball is pitched. Yeah, so they have to so be on the dirt. Who, yeah, so you're going to have to be on the I mean the dirt or whatever the stadium is configured. I think every stadium now has a dirt infield, but unless Tampa doesn't, I'm not sure. I think they do. But yes, so, they have to be within the lines of the infield now i guess you could technically run back there as soon as the pitch is made but that seems like you're putting yourself out of position so i don't think we'll see a lot of that but yeah that's going to eliminate the four-man outfield that's going to eliminate the stacking three guys on one side when you have a lefty at the plate it's with that this is where the shift i was like really does it really make a difference these guys are professional hitters they want to go opposite side of the shift with that wide open gap, they can. Obviously, it's a really hard to do. It's really hard. <laughs> but they can. So in 2015 to 2017, Joey Votto was shifted 19% of the time. He had a 246. Right? Okay. 2018 to 2022, he was shifted 54% of the time for a 187. Oh. Mookie Betts, 2015. 1% shift, 325. 2022, 61% shift, 213. Wow. That's huge. That's a significant difference. That's a month of batting. 
that that's the difference of being a, a borderline Hall of Fame player and being a borderline no major name. league player. Yeah, that's Mendoza line. Yeah. Like, that's it's insane. I, I didn't think the shift was that effective. Well, the oh, Jays it are. It's going to hurt the Jays the most. The Jays are the most situationally sound defensive team in the MLB. I heard this on a radio show that breaking it down runs saved due to position like the jays are tops in the league in terms of like i don't know how they track it but it's like reduced like most efficient outs or something before i pre-july it was around the beginning of july it was on the radio show they were saying that the jays have like one of the best defensively position like positionally sound defensive teams which is weird to think for the jays but it's because they employ the shift so fucking much like guys yeah, don't move, but they also have they also have guys like Espinal and Biggio and Chapman, and most importantly Chapman, who are very good defensive players, and they have that utility where they can be played all over the field. So yeah, it will be interesting uh, next year to see how teams adapt because it's not out and out banned, right? Like you can still move guys around the infield. They just there has to be two on either side, right? So you can still see a shift in. Uh, in so in a sort right like you can still have your shortstop be like right behind second base and then have your third base and play shortstop right like you still have a significant gap between where third base is and where your next closest infielder is but it just won't be as dramatic as it currently is well like you're saving guys like Votto and Betts probably 50 points and a lot of these guys are going to make a lot more money because of this well like, all like- of a sudden your batting average goes up 50 points that's pretty good for you. Well, yeah. Think of how many guys had in contract negotiations were like, well, you're batting this. He's like, yeah, but if you look at how many times I've been shifted, you take that into account. I'm really batting like a 285, not the 225 you're I mean, saying I am. You say guys are going to get paid more, but there could also be a new league average established, right? Like you, everything could just move proportionately uh, up, which is good for, I guess, the overall offense. I don't know that... I remember them talking at the start of the season saying that batting was down. I feel like I feel like we've seen a lot of high scoring games. Like I wonder what the run average is so far this year. Sure we could look that up, but I'm not gonna. No, that's fine. Like I'm not, I'm just curious. Like I wonder if offense is actually a problem. Like I think speed of the game is more the problem. The shift doesn't yeah. doesn't attack the speed of the game. Like pitch comms is a great addition. Like I think it's a weird addition, like that they're communicating over, <laughs> over like radio. Um, but it makes sense. Because, <clears throat> I think mainly because of what happened with the Astros, where yeah. stealing signs now is impossible, right? Yeah, no, for sure. I just think it's it's just an odd thing. Like when we talk about technology in baseball, like sign, like signs are just as pure as anything, right? Like that's. So if, if no one shook an eye at pitch comms, like don't I don't want to hear about a fucking pitch clock. Like it'll be fine. I still remember when I was playing Little League, my coach would always like put his hand on top of his hat and like sweep off the brim, and that was a steal. Hmm. Did and you for whatever reason I did. Uh I was a horrible hitter when I was a kid. So I would just not swing and I get walked. <laughs> then I would steal <laughs> second. I was still so, second to steal third. <laughs> wait, so what? Like, are all signs gone even from base coaches? 
No, I don't think so. I'm sure they they're still doing that thing. But I just mean signs in general. Like that. Yeah, remember those so clearly. Like they probably have some kind of combination where if I start touching the brim, that dictates what the next motions are. Take the fourth out of the motion as the sign to what you're going to do. Yeah, it's probably shit like that. Oh, yeah, it's super elaborate. Yeah, the, the third base coaches. But I mean, I mean, when I was playing Little League, it was not <laughs> very elaborate at all. Um, for He's your reference, stealing. so. <laughs> Just yell it. Steal. The guy um, touched his hat. He's stealing. <laughs> so for reference, Jim, um, we won't take in 2022 because obviously it's, you know, only it's still not done. But runs per game, 2021, 4.53. 2020, 4.65. 2019, 483. 2018, 445. 465. 448, 425, 407. So it's actually remained fairly consistent for like the past eight or nine years. And 2022 looks to be on track roughly the same, maybe a little bit lower because it's currently at 432. So, But not as bad as 2018 or 2017 by the sound of it? Uh, 2018 was 4.45. So Which one was the one now, under? So yeah, uh, and then 2017 was 4.65. The worst was 2014 at 4.07. Um, to, to me, it all sounds the same. So realistically, though, like this year is probably on track to, to be, be average. within the average-ish. So, I mean, nothing's going to go back to 99, 2000, you know, 514 and 508. So. All right. Before we get to our top five this week, uh, let's do a quick all elite wrestling update. So uh, last week on the show, we were talking about the situation with CM Punk and how he went to the media scrum. And he said, you know, he said how he felt and it was heavy criticism to his executive vice presidents of the company, as well as, you know, some of their friends and some of his former friends. Uh, shortly after that, there was a altercation that happened in the locker room. And I think as of recording last week, we knew there was an altercation. We knew that there was punches thrown. We knew that <laughs> there was a chair thrown in someone's face. And someone there got was bit. someone biting someone. Like these are all the details that we had heard. So now, what has happened uh, since then? Everyone involved has been uh, suspended, and by everyone involved, I mean uh, the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, uh, Christopher Daniels was there. He got suspended. Michael Nakazawa got susp- suspended. I think Brandon Cutler got suspended as well. A Steel, CM Punk. I may be forgetting one other person. The dog. Pretty much anyone who's in the room, them and their mother got suspended. And I imagine that was just so they can just tell everyone, look, go home. We're going to have an investigation of what happened here. And when we reach the conclusion of our investigation, that's when we will, you know, hand out further suspension or further punishment if necessary, or bring you back if we feel there's absolutely no reason to have you sitting at home. But they had to happen. They happened to have a television show on Wednesday as well, which they then uh, vacated the six man titles and they vacated the world title as well. And now there's a tournament to crown a new world champion. They've already crowned a new six man champion, but who gives a shit about six man titles? Um, they're just made up belts for you know the elite to wear, and I'm sure they'll get them back once they're back. But here's the thing. Here, here's what I saw on Twitter, James, and I, this is what I always thought was hilarious. There's so many people on Twitter, wrestling fans, who are like legitimately upset 
with how AEW does the interim championships. So when Punk got hurt the first time, they didn't strip him of the title. They just said, Punk is the world champion. We're going to have a uh, tournament to crown, an, or whatever it was, or a match to crown an interim champion. It was a match. Yeah. And then when he comes back, it's with John Moxley won, and then they'll have a match to unify later. And they did the same thing with the women's t- uh, title when uh, Thunder Rosa is allegedly hurt. And Tony Storm, yeah. said, yeah, Tony Storm is now the interim champion. And when Thunder Rosa is back... UFC, same it. as UFC. That's my point. <laughs> like, there's so many people who are mad of like, oh, this interim thing is so stupid. AEW's dumb. There is a generation of people. And I understand... But at the same time, you have to understand history. There's a generation of people that grew up watching only Vince McMahon's wrestling. And they don't know anything else about wrestling other than Vince McMahon. Or his vision of it. Right? They didn't know wrestling existed before Vince McMahon. And wrestling now exists after Vince McMahon. We are no longer in the era of Vince McMahon. Vince did things his way because it made sense in his mind. But if you look at boxing, if you look at UFC... Every combat sport in the history of combat sports has utilized an interim champion. So, and I, I don't know if you remember this. There was a smash event at the E-Zone, and I want to say it was like around you know May or June or whatever. It's probably May. And it was a Sunday afternoon show, which it always was Sunday afternoon, because whatever. The show went to intermission. Gotta have the pay-per-view, bud, to sell the tickets. <laughs> Right. <laughs> gotta have that gotta have that after party. <laughs> Make sure people come out. It was a Sunday afternoon, the show went to intermission, and during intermission the Raptors happened to go to overtime. Oh, I remember this, yes. And there was a real discussion. I think it was between me, you and Seb, where it was like, when do we restart inter- like the second half of the show? Because the Raptors intermission the Raptors are in the playoffs right now. People were leaving to the restaurant. Like people were wanting to watch what happened there. So but so we were thinking about it, like, how many wrestling fans are sports fans? That's the real question that I'm posing to you right now, based on this whole AEW thing. I don't think it's a lot. Like, I would like, say you're probably capped at 70%. That's being generous. Man, I think 70 is high. No, that's what I mean. You're being generous. Like, I think, like, if you were to, if you pull your friends, it's probably seventy percent. I think it's more. But, I think I think you look at a lot of sports fans or wrestling fans. I don't know how how much it goes the other way, but I mean they go to towns and guys look at look at MJF doing the the Josh Allen gimmick. Like people know who Josh Allen is, and that's like I get that you're from that city, so obviously you know. But at the same time, I don't know. I think I think the crossover is there. I just think. I think you're right. I think people are too uh, I don't I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but like I think people are too stuck in their ways of what they think like you said, like the Vince idea of wrestling is and like but like inter, what, like, like, an, like the concept of an interim champion is not new. No. Well, all sports have it, like in terms of combat sports. Yeah. No. And you know what? Those are some of the most purchased buy rated pay-per-views that UFC has are the ones that are like interim champion undisputed championship like here's the interim champion versus the the you know legitimate champion or whatever we're just 
sort this out once and for all. Like that is ultimately what you're always building towards, right? Is that money match that people want to see and they they can't tell who's going to win the match. Like that's this is what we're doing here. This is professional Dude, wrestling. Like this is ironically, what you do. Ironically, Punk Cena was champion versus champion. WWE made how many times did they, they even recently did they make money off champion versus champion Brock and Roman to unify the titles Randy Orton Cena to unify the titles Daniel Bryan wins both titles like it that's not a new thing to have a champion versus a champion to make money like that's you know and you're making chicken salad out of chicken shit right like guys are hurt or suspended punks hurt so as well so however long he's suspended he's out for anyway which brings up an interesting question do they suspend him on top of his injury I don't know um but or does he leave the company i have no idea um so yeah i just like it's not i don't know there's there's some i don't want to shit on wrestling fans for an entire segment but like there's like one they're they're so blinders on right like they there's no big picture there's no there's no understanding of business and we were talking about this with gibby on the golf course and that's that like punk was was right he's there to do a business and he can pull himself thirty thousand feet out and say how does this work for business maybe not so much in that moment or maybe he did realizing that even no matter what i say we can make money off this and they could have if 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 the elite had acted like vice presidents and they had gone into a room and and chatted it out they could have turned and cornet said this too i think you could have turned that into a lot of money in a program they could have um and they didn't <laughs> you know, know what like hardcore like and i mean hardcore wrestling fans and i don't mean the guys that watch raw and smackdown every week i mean like the hardcore guys that watch it all they remind me of the 75 year old woman being like don't interrupt my stories <laughs> you know what i mean where it's like you can't talk about it because they're so invested and you can't be like well like question it or whatever because it's like there's a there's like an odd sanctity to their view of what it should be i don't know like that's kind of like an outsider's point of view a little bit like a former guy who is in it has not been in like a really big it's a weird it's a weird passionate fan base where you it, it feels like there's three or four sets of rules that you live by and like you're one of those groups and like if and it's very segmented and 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 if you're part of that group like that way of thinking is the bible and it's very very like either you're old school either your attitude era either your big picture or your like sports entertainment like there's it's very it's very See, siloed what, uh- which I don't understand because in my mind, the way I would look at it is you should just be in the, I want to be entertained. Yeah. Yes. That's it. Right. Like <laughs> you hit the and, nail and <laughs> like your entertainment shouldn't be pigeonholed or, you know, shouldn't be narrow minded. I, part of your entertainment would be to me. And which is why I love like sports is being part of the collective and sharing the medium with other people to be able to sit like talk about it to be invested in it but like to, to the point where you start segmenting and then excluding other people because of it oh dude they shit I, on I, each other they call each other fucking it's, stupid it's it's unreal it's, it's dumb there's it there's flippy dippy shit versus like the people call like oh dancers versus wrestlers there's like it's you know 
it's kind of embarrassing because like there's a, there's literally a home for everything in pro wrestling the best shows are the shows that have a little bit of everything on it um you know because you'll find something in everything that you enjoy um but yeah going back to to the update i mean again i know gibson if he listens isn't gonna want to hear this but like we said like punk wasn't wrong necessarily in what he was saying and I feel like he's going to get the shaft out of this because of it, because of the way he did it, which is weird because the corporate entities who, for all intents and purposes, acted the most out of responsibility are probably going to get by scot-free. Like, like, it's not, it's weird. Like, even when the suspensions are handed down and guys are stripped of titles, you expect that from a wrestler, kind of. Like, guys get suspended all, Randy Orton's been suspended. Like, people have been suspended. Like, it happens. When was the last time you heard of, like, corporate representatives being suspended? Not Vince McMahon or John Laurinaitis. Like, when, yeah. like, before that, <laughs> like, when was the last time that happened? For non-sexual assault. Yeah, there's a lot to this. And, like, especially if you think of it just how ridiculous it all is. Like, this is a... <laughs> this is a show about guys fighting, but a real fight broke out and we're not going to make money off it. And we're going to like suspend guys for getting in a fight. Well, <laughs> you know, like, they got in the fight backstage, but like every other segment on this television show is someone getting jumped backstage. <laughs> it's just, it's just very weird, right? It's, it's ironic. Just, yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah. And if our well, company like, that, that likes to blur the line does they nobody's smart enough to to take a step back and be like okay let's fucking sort this out and now use this yes but you ultimately at the end of the day who pays is the fans like specifically like obviously our own backyard the toronto shows i have a friend who's he was on 10 a.m he had the thursday early code he was like clicking refresh and he's just like now he's he's worried he's not going to see a lot of the guys he wants to see right like part of the whole thing is kenny omega Right, he was. I wanted to go. I wanted to see, get the shirt. You know, have that whole experience. Well, and I'm sure like, he'll still get the shirt. But well, that's what I said. So you still get the shirt. He's like, yeah, but he's like, I'm gonna get a Kenny Omega shirt and wear it, and knowing he's not gonna fucking be there. <laughs> right? That's like, a good point. Though. Like, I think that's a point that's that's not raised enough is how they fucked over the fans. Yeah, you know. And to me, like as as a business, it's not just about making the money because ultimately you get into business to make money. But it's the fan retention yeah. because in the honoring the loyalty saying, look, you're going to invest your money into us. So we're going to invest into you via entertainment and putting on the best product. And they're not doing that. You know, for a guy who's not in the, in the fandom of the business anymore, you certainly sound like you know what you're talking about. Well, that's just sports fandom in general. <laughs> well, that's just because we're all nerds, right? Like, yeah. Whether we're we're a wrestling nerd or a sports nerd, or in this case, we're video game nerds too. So our top five this week is our favorite video games of all time. Not video game series, but just video game in general. So we have about 14 minutes left to do this. So uh, we may be going long again, boys. I don't know what to tell you. No, we'll, we'll tear through this one. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. Because <laughs> this this one's right in my wheelhouse. Okay, my number five, uh, changed gaming. I think a lot for its time, and I still think it, it holds up unbelievably well. Especially if you get the legendary pack to play it again. Mass Effect Two. I very few games are as complete as that one, and 
that's like obviously excluding i like other games more for other reasons but in terms of a complete package and a complete investment of me mass effect is one of the few that has ever done it the mass effect uh remaster collection that's like one to three i think is yeah. on game pass and i've had it downloaded and i've never even is it really it. <laughs> it's yes, on game pass? Yeah. yo i i'll tell you this right now if you have free time and be like you know what i want to start a saga it ends really clumsily but it's two is peak storytelling action gaming everything sounds just like star wars yeah i've been meaning to give it a shot it's fantastic James. Right, who's next i'll go uh my number five is no mercy um oh, yo. Good, good pull i didn't even think of that <laughs> yo that's yo, the day the cause buddy dude. do you remember the cause dude staying up late creator wrestlers downloading the stats on on paper and printing them off and sitting yeah. in front of your tv and dude creating your own oh. and then doing cpu versus cpu battles and just howling at what the cpu would do and creating your own stuff like it was just like aside from the smackdown mall and, and the buying coming out of wrestlemania 2000 and even revenge like it had just perfected the only thing it didn't do well was the entrances because they were cut off halfway through and i couldn't understand yeah. why um but the the absolute fun we would have just cpu versus cpu in our own created leagues with created guys like hilarious like no mercy just brown so l coach that took up your entire room and we used to like there's six of us that used to sit on that day just creating grass it's like three in the morning yeah mom yelling us to shut up yeah <laughs> so good uh so similar answer that i have for my number five and similar i mean like a very iconic couch co-op game and this is a bit later in the world of video games. This was the Xbox 360 era. And of course, I'm talking about Portal 2. Nice. Where I think Portal is one pick. of the most... Yeah, Portal, I think, is one of the most brilliantly designed games in how you have to think about things in here. a completely different way. Yeah, from yeah. up here. Right. And yeah, then, it, especially with Portal 2, where it's co-op too, where yeah. you have... Now, instead of dealing with two portals, you're thinking in four portals. And it just totally changes the game entirely. It was yeah. beautiful in its simplicity, but perfect in its complexity. Yeah, yes. and the perfect. and the the uh, concept of having somebody in your ear the entire time is just like for the portal in general is just such a cool. Oh, like the mystery with Glados and like yeah. the getting yeah, yeah like that was such a it cool. was ear, it was eerie, but like fitting. Yeah, do you know what I mean? And didn't feel like a gimmick. So yeah. no, that, that's it. That that's reminds me. Yeah, constantly in your ear. That reminds me of another game that we may see on this list. It's not in mine, but I think it may be okay. one of yours. But all right, my number five. I'm this one. I'm I'm hearkening back. It's one of the ones. It's SNES era, and oh boy, everyone will know. Like my bread and butter for video games is RPGs. Like that will always be my favorites. Um, my number five, it's Chrono Trigger. It mm -hmm. is. I was widely, already typing it as you said. That. Yeah, it is widely considered even to this day one of the greatest games ever made which for 20 30 years to say that a game has held on to that status for that long in just 32 bit you know that and top to bottom it's the story it's the music it's the characters it's it's the impact that it could do with not what we have today with technology if they ever remade that game i think gaming culture would break I've fun James fact. I've played the first three hours of Chrono Trigger about fourteen times, and then I always put it down right about 
there. The same so, spot. Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you. But like, it's. I'm gonna do it. The guy at work just finished it, and we're trading off. Like he's never played Earthbound, and I've never played uh, Chrono Trigger, so we're gonna trade off. Like, and, and yep. I'm gonna finish it. The the crazy thing about Chrono Trigger is it's got 12 different endings. For a game on the SNES, 12 different endings. You can essentially beat that game at the start of the game. Yeah. But it's crazy. Yeah, but that's my number four. Uh, my number four is... Uh, not, I'm not going to say too much about it. Relatively simple. Un- Uncharted 2 uh, is such a good fucking game. Um, you know, and it sucks because I wasn't a huge fan of Uncharted 3, but I loved Uncharted 4. Uncharted 2 was just everything that I, I wanted in an adventure game like it had ups downs twist turns like discovery like it just felt like it honestly felt like and i grew up indiana jones so it felt like being indiana jones but for like the time that i was playing like it didn't, yeah and uh you know nolan north was just fucking fantastic in all those games so nolan uh, north elena fisher or elena fisher played by emily rose just yeah fantastic yeah all the voice acting yeah. was incredible i think it was one of the first games that really embraced gaming is cinema almost it felt like um and yeah I, do you remember i would get mad at you when you would play it and i wasn't yeah. around because i never played uncharted 2 but i would loved watching it and that's when you know it captures you um and i would get mad at him if he was playing it i'd be like no i'm not home right now yeah so so i'm gonna hit you with uh two here i'm gonna hit you with my number four and my number three just because my number three on my list is uncharted 2 there you go so <laughs> we've don't need to go any further into it. The cast was incredible. Um, I, I love the dynamic of Nate and Chloe, and then Nate and Elena. Like, yeah. and then that relationship between the three of them was really cool. Um, but my number four is a PC game that was given to me by a friend in like the eighth grade. He's like, he's like, take this and you play this. You're gonna love this. And he was right. <laughs> and it's not something you see around any, any much anymore. Like they made some subsequent games, but it hasn't been quite as the same as it was before and it definitely hasn't reached the heights that this one ever did uh this is deus ex oh or pc i think one of the i think in terms of at least what i played one of the first times i ever played a first person rpg and super cool stuff that they did in that game that to this day i still go back on uh, watch like people play through it on youtube just to get that story again the story was awesome too i remember a guy i went to high school with telling me about it and loved it like so much and then fun another fun james fact uh, a buddy of mine was the voice of uh what's his name in uh deus ex human revolution the main character alex denton no um not alex denton it was uh adam case. um something I've forgotten the guy's name in uh, <laughs> Mankind Divided, but I have his autograph because he was also Assassin's Creed Revol- uh, Brotherhood, yeah. which was one of my he was, favorite yeah. games. Not on this list. I'm thinking Jensen. Is it Jensen? Adam Adam Jensen. Adam Jensen. Yeah. You know yeah. this guy? Who yeah, played Elias, Adam Jensen? His name's Elias Tufexis. He's a huge Habs fan. Uh, was on. Um, oh, fuck him. <laughs> he was on. Uh, what was that? He's Supernatural, Smallville. Uh, yeah, he's, he's on the, the Ex- Expanse. Uh, he's a good voice, dude. Large voice character. Great dude. <clears throat> he, I never asked he's for this. Gotham, he's he's in Gotham Knights. He's gonna play the Penguin. Yeah. Oh, very cool. He's a he's a really cool cat. He moved to LA. He's from Montreal. Lived in Toronto. Uh, really cool cat. Yeah, I don't know if he listens, but shout out to Elias. He's a good dude. Haven't talked to him in a while. Huge wrestling fan. Um, wow. Yeah. Cool. Maddie, you're up. All right, so Maddie, you're number three. Okay, so my number three. 
Uh, and I feel like you could probably pick any game from this series and someone will have it at the in their top three of their list. But for me, it was not so much the first one, but the subsequent sequel, uh, Zelda Majora's Mask. Uh, for me, or Karen of Time is still like peak gaming, but that was Jim's game. He played it. I kind of watched it. I did various playthroughs or like to a degree at the end, but Majora's Mask was like mine. I got that game, you know, one year for birthday. I did the playthrough myself and I've done it a bunch of times. And the vibe, that eerie vibe of the countdown and the weird kind of uh, very dark, just like creepy things that like characters would say or do or things that would happen is just I, I, I thought it was awesome. After watching Game Theory, where the it's like Link is actually dead in Majora's Mask, and, like freaks like the playthrough is all different now. It freaks me out. Yeah. And then there's that there's that uh that urban myth of that haunted copy of Majora's Mask. Have you not heard of this? No, I've heard it. Okay, can't, not... can't get into it now, but I'll send you guys the article, but it's fucking scary. But um yeah. Ironically my Ironically, my number three is oh, creative time. Um <laughs> As you mentioned it, yeah, I just it changed the way I viewed. Like we were Zelda fans playing Link Two with my dad. I we I crushed um, Link to the Past with my buddy in his basement, like over and over and over on end. Uh, Ocarina of Time came out. It was just like you didn't think that was possible um, in games. I remember Brian brought it home for you for your birthday. Yeah, it's fucking sick game, um, and just really changed the way we approach RPGs and action RPGs. Um, and how we visualize them and how we go about them and being able to kind of do things in whatever order like it was it was so unlinear at the time like mm -hmm. it's still like relatively linear compared to the way like a gta is but like so for its time and again if they ever remade it with like up to date Unreal five yeah <laughs> oh fuck the boner city <laughs> uh dustin you're number two now my number two, I went back and forth on this where I didn't know if I wanted the first game or the second game as my representative at this point of the list. But I went with the second one just because I don't think there's ever been a game where I felt this emotionally attached to characters. I cried multiple times during this game. And this, of course, is The Last of Us Part 2. It is like such a roller coaster from start to finish. I know a lot of people didn't like the pacing of it. But I think when you get to the end, you kind of understand why. And they, they wanted to tell you a, a different side of the story. And you needed a lot of time with that other side of the story in order for you to really fully appreciate everything that had happened in that series. So I think it's the better game than one. And the story is just incredible. So I may, have to, finally, I may have to finally give Last of Us a chance. I, could, I never got into it. So maybe now's well, the they, time with like the remakes and remasters. Yeah, and they just so. redid last was part one on ps5 it's definitely a good time to jump in if you want to do a joint playthrough i'll sit through with you through it because like i don't know that i'd ever play it like by myself and commit to it so if you want to yeah I'd be, I'd be down we also have to do the halo like you need it sounds like you need to stream this and we'll do it all together and i will uh do commentary over it tell like any questions you have i can fill in some blanks that actually be pretty cool um my number two is and i i don't know if this will be on jim's list i i have a feeling it might be but it may not be is i definitely know it's not as number one is star wars knights of the republic that wow. changed gaming that was not only arguably the greatest star wars story ever told but the ground shift that for gaming that it presented 
is unlike anything ever done. Um, I, the story still holds up. The even some of the gameplay aspects still holds up, but it's still, I think, one of easily the greatest video game or just greatest stories told in medium and the fact that it's getting remade and i'm glad that it got transferred to another studio and didn't just die on the floor um I, i'm very excited and it gave me you know easily my top two three favorite video game character of all time in in revan so our, as you can see in the discord um it, yeah like it's it is a masterpiece so uh, my number two is an RPG by Square, Square Soft. Oh, I know what it is. Uh, it is Super Mario RPG: Legend of the Seven Stars. That game, it's so, it's so not a Mario game, like in any sort of, like none of the the environments are recognizable. Half the characters are brand new, um, Gino and Smash. Uh, but it's. It was just such a good story and the mechanics worked and it was lighthearted and, you know, it was easy to navigate. Like a lot of RPGs these days, like you get into items and like, I feel like even like The Witcher's not like an Witcher. RPG traditionally in, in a turn base, but it's so fucking complicated to do anything in that game. It turns me off. But like Mario RPG, it's like there's different items, you upgrade them, there's different things to make you feel better and that's it. And like... The characters are just so likable, from Mallow to Gino to even Bowser. I would fight for Mallow plush, dude. When Bowser joins your party, like it's so fucking cool, man. Like it's spoiler alert: Bowser joins your party. Um, and Booster, I think Booster was uh, cool villain. Cool villain. I almost think that was like a template for Wario. Yeah. Although Wario was around, but it's like a way to get Wario in the game without yeah, having Wario. Without being Wario, like they seem very similar. Um, yeah, yeah Mario PG man. Good pick. So now we're on to my number one, and knowing you guys, I now know that what your number ones are. So I will say this because I didn't want to step on anyone's toes in case it came up in your list, since it, but it's in none of our lists now. Um, I think honorable mentions should go to Grand Theft Auto V for just being like the most complete released package of a video game. <laughs> released game of all time. Right? Like that game has been re-released over and over again since 2013. Skyrim's in that conversation too, but I don't think Skyrim reached the uh, masses like Grand Theft Auto V did. Mm -hmm. I, like for what Grand Theft Auto... Like Skyrim Dude. is very popular with like video game uh, fans, but like hardcore RPG video game fans. I logged Grand into Theft Grand Theft. Like, I logged into Grand Theft Auto yesterday and played half an hour. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's just a very accessible game. It and it, I mean, there's a reason why it has sold more copies than anything ever. Like, not mm -hmm. just the best-selling video game of all time, but like the best-selling movie, the best-selling book, like any sort of just entertainment. Medium. Yeah, Grand Theft Auto Five is the most successful entertainment property of all time in human life. So. I think it deserves honorable mention. For sure. Um, my number one, though, is my is one game from my favorite video game series. It is uh, a game that I think completely changed how I view video games or what I think video games could be. And I think it did that for a lot of people. I think this game changed the industry when it came out. Uh, this game is also the favorite video game of one Cody Rhodes. I don't think I don't know if that's true or not, but I I, I mean we talked about this game at length. Um, that of course is Metal Gear Solid. 
the very first one. Um, just, I mean, when this game came out in like 1997 or 1998 or whatever it was, they were doing full on cinematics that would last like 20 minutes, like animated cinematics that like that didn't exist in the PlayStation era before Konami and Hideo Kojima did this. And they almost created an entire genre of game that doesn't exist anymore. Like no. This stealth action game doesn't really exist in this way. Like until, there are some games that are stealthy. Ubisoft figures it out and decides to do Splinter Cell again. But I mean, yeah. they've been working on that Splinter Cell game for a number of years now, right? And I fingers crossed that Splinter Cell game is badass. Like I am rooting for Ubisoft to blow it out of the park, right? Me too. Splinter Cell but, is awesome. And with when Kojima split away from Konami, like that genre is dead now like no one makes games like this anymore. yeah the idea and of like hiding sad. hiding the bodies and stuff like that was that was all a new thing there's no assassin's creed without metal gear solid yeah there's no hitman yeah no i agree it's again i it's not close to my list i've never really played them but like i do respect where what they mean to gaming culture so you know um and it it was tough for me to say one is the best because I mean, three one is, because yeah, a lot of people say three, like three, oh. one, because that's my introduction to it. And that's where I jumped in and you can make an argument for one. You can make an argument for three, Peacemaker. You can even make an argument for two. A lot of people don't like two, but I think there's a lot of great things about two. Dude, Four Metal Gear Solid right Peacemaker mess. usually gets top of the, the billing. Peacemaker as like a game and it's, mechanics and the, the loop that it puts you in is just very addicting and very fun so i can see why people would say that too and it probably is one of the more succinct stories because metal gear gets real yeah real messy fucking with their metal, story yeah like yeah it's out there it's like it goes right off the like it's a train going right off the tracks and it smashes into the town and you know it, it's just there's spaghetti everywhere <laughs> okay my number one jim probably already knows which this one is um and this is just top to bottom i've never had a gaming experience like this that i probably replay this one front to back a couple times a year it's final fantasy 10 um, oh wow yeah i wrote wow. down final fantasy 7 i thought for sure you're going 7 no it's final fantasy 10 um on different levels that game has impacted my life in insane ways um the story you know for years final fantasy you had these you know really kind of brooding you know, kind of introverted, really dark, you know, main MCs for you anime fans, your main characters. Um, and like guys that were just like dark and then just kind of opening up near the end. But then in 10, you get Titus, who's just at the beginning. He's just this happy, go lucky, optimistic, like, don't worry, everything's going to be okay. We'll figure it out. And then, you know, spoiler alert, the script gets flipped. And then it's one of the most depressing endings in gaming history to me. Um, and then it's just but the gameplay mechanic of the combat and the customization between weapons and armor and then the side questing of getting all the legendary weapons and the extra aeons which are the summons and then just with all that just the setting as well as the score of this game just bar none to me has ever been matched maybe by near but no game has come close it was actually the main theme the xanarkin theme was my wife's walk-up song for the for our wedding um and it's just it's one of those games where i can never get enough of and then the rumors that they're gonna 
make a third part to it is just I'm off the wall. But yeah, that's um that's my favorite game of all time. James. So, I mean, it's no surprise to anyone that my favorite game of all time is Earthbound. Uh, it's I, there's so much to read about that game and when I played it as a kid, we didn't know. We just played a cool game that had like funny fart jokes and like weird bright colors. Yeah, bright colors and and weird looking things and there was they had bottle rockets as weapons and Mr. Saturns and they talked funny and that was the you know, but once you the game it's weird, the game grows with you. Um and it's almost like that was the intent. Um because as you grow older, you start to realize different things about what the creator was trying to make and you read a lot of interviews with him and he talks about him basically writing his childhood perception of the world into this game and you think about four kids going on this ridiculous adventure um and it's it's so kind and it's so charming in such a weird like way like the jokes are so tongue-in-cheek and dry and funny um it it it's it has a very like it's just i don't know if you ever get the chance to play it i suggest playing it taking your time and reading about it because reading about it is so interesting as much and and even as i play through mother three like the emotional strings that they they put you through um is incredible and it's kind of criminal that it didn't get any more iterations and and it didn't get an updated and i mean listen fans are making updated versions or trying to of this like that look like uh up to date like in unreal like my buddy jp sent me a video of, of earthbound dimensions i think it's called where everything's in like smooth 3d modeling um kind of open world so um if these things come out i'll play them but i play it i play it about once every other year now and yeah i'm gonna i could ramble on it for days but i have a copy it's one of my prized possessions it sits in a glass case <laughs> and uh yeah it's it's just it's like Worth a lot of money I'll, yeah i'll tell you the thing like the, again spoiler the way you win the game in the final boss is by one of the people in your party praying and connecting to all of your experiences that you meet other people along the way and that's and it's these people and their energy and what they mean to you that helps defeat the final boss and that's really fucking cool so yeah that is my long-winded answer for my favorite game of all time. All right. And since we have already gone significantly long, we have time to do shout-outs. So we let's do. get the shout-outs. It's time for shout-outs, everyone's favorite segment of the week because it's the week or the segment during this weekly podcast where we get to hear Maven's entrance music, and that is the best part of the show, I think. Uh, the shout-outs is where we shout-out someone. We like to go out on a high note and say something nice about someone. Now, I had a shout-out, but I've already forgotten who it was. Oh, yeah, I remember who it is now. Uh, my shout-out goes to the American League Player of the Week in Major League Baseball. The American League Player of the Week batted 500, scored 11 runs, hit four doubles, one triple, five home runs, had 13 runs batted in. And not only that, 
the game that just ended, he drove in all three of the runs for the Toronto Blue Jays. His name is one Bo Bichette. Whoa. They can take it Maddie's from last week. Yeah. Dude's that, that, that man's fire. the first back-to-back <laughs> shadow. Fuego. First back-to-back yep. shadow. That's Well, Bo's just on a fucking tear. Yep. Like, he heard everything negative said about him, and he was like, I'm going to shove this bat up your ass. Yeah. Um, no, it's good. Jim, go. Uh, I'm going to give a shout out uh, to one Sean Gibson for having us at the golf tournament and taking all the abuse we handed him at the end of it, that empty headed fuck. Uh, <laughs> we, we, we had a, we had a last whole kind of breakdown argument about the whole CM Punk elite thing. And <laughs> three of us were on team punk and he was kind of on team, I don't know team not punk he wasn't on team anyone but team not punk and we tossed quite a bit of abuse his way on it but he's uh Sean's a great guy um one of those guys like you nothing bad to say about him and and getting the chance to to golf with him for the the charity for his church and youth group for the ones that his kids are a part of is really fucking cool so thanks Gibson and mine is a collective shout out to a collective and that's i feel your pain as a least fan but my shout out is the cowboys fans i hate you but i feel you because <laughs> the shit you're going through right now is i said this to my wife this would be the equivalent if austin matthews goes down with 30 game injury game three of the year and like i I feel you. I know there's optimism at the start of every year, and then you get heartbroken by something, whether it's a shitty performance in the playoffs or an injury that costs you. So, you know what? Like I said, I may not like you, but I vibe with you. So that's my shout out to Cowboys fans. And we have quite an interesting show next week because Maddie's not here next week. He's going to be on a jet plane going to the other. Yeah, he's, so, yeah. So for the next two weeks, Maddie's not going to be here. So next week, we have yes. one Paul Anthony DeFrancesca from the Not After 30 podcast joining us as the third chair. So that will be a lot of fun. That's going to be episode 23 of 43.6, the sports podcast you always wanted. Thank you for joining us for episode 22, which is brought to you by Now Your Treasures. We will see you next week for episode 23. See you in three weeks.